Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey everybody, what's going on and welcome to a Friday edition heading into the weekend of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Lots to get to. A uh, bit of an ugly one last night for the Winnipeg Jets taking it on the chin to the high-octane Colorado Avalanche. We'll get into that as well as the big story kind of in Winnipeg over the last 18 hours or so. Um, you know, potential jet games outside of the province doesn't sound like it is happening, but uh, we'll discuss that and get your feedback as well. Um, shout out to everyone that's joining us on YouTube. Great to have you all with us live today, as well as everyone on podcast making us a part of your day. Um, podcast listeners, if you do have the opportunity to get to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and a nice little review. Always helps us grow the channel, uh, but mostly just so happy that um, you're uh, enjoying the content and uh Talking Jets with us and much more here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And it's not just Jets today. Huge Blue Bomber news. Kyle the Closer Walters getting the job done. I knew he and D.C. were heading down to uh, to Texas for a couple days. We knew what they were trying to do. Consider it mission accomplished. Willie J. Jackson, Jeff Coat coming are signed for the Bombers for next year. Coming off the big news on um, Yoshi. Hardrick as well. So uh, lots of good news on the Bombers. Tough night for the Winnipeg Jets, but lots to get to on today's show. Ken Weave coming up in a few minutes. Brandon Rewicki as well. And we'll get ready for the final week of the uh, regular season in the National Football League. And specifically, what is basically a playoff game on Sunday night between the Chargers and the Raiders with uh, who better to talk Chargers with than the former voice of the Chargers, Lee Hacksaw-Hamilton. And of course, it's Friday. You know what that means. Marbles at the end of the program. Make sure you stick around for the marble race. We'll have some great prizes to give away. And something very, very special to debut before the marbles drop as well. So uh, stay with us. Uh, Big thanks to all the sponsors for making this program happen each and every day. Vita Health, Culligan Water, F Apparel, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Manitoba Battery, Boston Pizza, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug Brewing, of course, the Nick and Nikki DQ group. And I see Nick already in chat. He's ready for the weekend. What's up, Nick? Great to see you. Canadian Club Whiskey. And of course, our friends at Cool Bet Canada. Speaking of Cool Bet, just finished up the uh, week 18 edition of The Lock Shop with Dustin Nielsen. That is up. If you're listening on the podcast, just pop in the lock shop and make sure you give us a sub. And if you do want to watch the video of it, uh, I'll tweet it out on my Twitter feed as well. But if you go to Dustin Nielsen at Nielsen TSN 1260, it'll be right up there in the pinned tweet and you can watch the festivities. Sort of a very strange week. I'm ready to get to the playoffs next week, to be honest, but uh, we'll take it because that just means we'll have one less week until summer after the Super Bowl waiting with the extra week let's get michael remus in here to get things going remo what's up how are you i'm in a great mood it's friday i guess it is um freezing outside that's not great but i'm looking forward to uh today's marble race nfl week 18 i'm also i was really fired up us to discuss the possibility of the jets playing games in saskatoon because then we wouldn't have to talk about uh the 7-1 loss again but but I thought that might just be the yeah. entire topic for the entire Thank, program today. But thanks, thanks, True North. I mean, you couldn't let this news breathe for a day so we could argue <laughs> about it. Now when they put the kibosh on it this morning, I was so disappointed to wake up. Wait at least until Monday before you say. I guess, though, though it seems like they had to make a decision quickly because uh, it was next Saturday's Ottawa game. 
they were looking at. But there was yesterday's show. We had like news throughout the show. Guys going on COVID protocol, uh, Jets lineup changes, bomber signings, and it seems like it continued throughout the night with uh, Willie Jefferson signing Jackson Jeffcoat. Uh, we had the Jets game, the news about so a lot. There is lots going on, lots to talk about. I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to getting to all of it. So uh, great. I'm feeling good today. There's lots to get to, as I said. Yeah, no doubt. Well, you know what? Let's talk about this right off the bat because it was sort of the uh, the hot button topic, I think, amongst many Winnipeg Jet fans. And, um, you know, I sort of tweeted this out yesterday. And I will admit, I had a birdie uh, in my ear saying around the rumor mill that was going around was that the Jets might, you know, play, you know, some games in Saskatchewan, in Saskatoon, um, because they're unable to play in front of fans here. And just to update you folks, that's why these games have been canceled right now. And that's why they're being canceled or canceled, postponed right now um, because of the current health orders not allowing fans in the building or a maximum of 250, which is basically zero. So uh, last night after the program, got an email from the Winnipeg Jets sent to all season ticket holders with a uh, quick survey. Um, And it was... You know, they wanted to know, you know, how do you feel about, uh, you know, would you attend games right now if it was 100%? How would you feel about attending games right now if it was 50%? Um, The question about uh, kids being vaccinated, I can't remember exactly how that was when was worded, but, um, you know, if kids that were unvaccinated not being allowed, how would you feel about that? Um, But then the key thing that got everyone talking about was how would you feel if the Jets, due to... Uh, if the Jets played some home games in another jurisdiction um, while fans weren't allowed in the building here in uh, in Winnipeg. And it was an interesting question because I think, Remo, there were some people, and I think it's, to be honest, a minority, just a loud minority, that, you know, how could they do this? This is all about money. These uh, health restrictions are, you know, here for a reason. And they're here, and obviously everyone's dealing with it. But, you know, there were some people that didn't like, I don't know, maybe it was the optics of going elsewhere where they didn't have restrictions to play games. There's always the usual people complaining, you know, about, oh, what does that mean about my tickets? Obviously, you're not going to have to pay for tickets in Saskatchewan if you're a Jet season ticket holder. I mean, we don't need to waste any time talking about that. Um, But I think the other side and I'll admit, I mean, I've done, I've tried every single day, especially as we get back into this, to try to not get into COVID takes and not talk about, you know, people's thoughts on the restrictions and where we're at. It always just leads to a chat blowing up and a bunch of, you know, you know, people on both sides, frankly, I just don't really want to listen to right now, um, you know, with hot takes. Um, but this was sort of one where you sort of got brought into it. And, um, I, you know, I'll say this, I mean, if, if the restrictions were different right now, I'd have no problem going to the game. I mean, I got my vaccination. I got my booster. Um, like a lot of people, I think we've done what we can do and we'd like to get out and see the games. Now, I mean, it's not just about me personally. I understand why these rules are in effect right now. But uh, Raymond, I'm interested in your your um, thoughts on this. I mean, I certainly, if right now we're in a situation where no fans are allowed in Canada Life Center, I mean, I don't care if these games are played somewhere else where there could be fans in it and the team could lose a little bit of less money. And not to mention, it's not just the team, it's also the players. I mean, the players are incentivized as partners in the CBA um, to, you know, have some money coming in to pay their salary so they don't have to pay it back. I mean, these are serious economic challenges, especially coming out of what's happened the last couple of years. So 
I certainly don't blame them at all for polling their season ticket holders and seeing how they feel about that. If it happened, I would be upset about it, but not upset at the team for doing it. Upset that somehow we're in a situation that it can happen in Saskatchewan and it can't happen here. Uh, but again, then we get onto that fine line of going down hot COVID takes, which I am trying every way not to get into, Remo. But uh, what was your thought mm-hmm. on uh, the concept of maybe if you can't do it here, doing it somewhere else? Yeah, it's allowing it. I thought I, well, you, I agree with everything you said. I thought it was resourceful. Um, you know, they're trying to find a solution. You know, they're losing tons of money by not playing games. And yeah, people. I think a lot of the negative comments, I guess, that we got, I posted on our Facebook page. Please. Follow our page and our Instagram. I post our Instagram. It's in the description of this video, those links. So give us a follow. Um, I think people thought maybe they were turning their back on Manitoba. That I think that was maybe, you know, it's all, they're all about the money. They're not about health and safety. And I, I'm just trying to relay what the sense that I got from the comments. I mean, I thought it was smart. I mean, if you can go to Saskatchewan, I think on the flip side, it is a kind of, depressing you know the idea of them playing games in saskatchewan exactly. that yeah. i think that i think you're mad at more at the government and the, maybe the way things have been handled in the province that you know you can play games in saskatchewan and, and not here but as far as the jets i mean i think why not look into it do what you can do i mean people are trying to find new ways of doing business in the pandemic this is one of them it did remind me of um i remember we you know in the in the u.s when they've had hurricanes and stuff They've or they've moved games from New Orleans or wherever to other to other cities. It's happened before. OKC Thunder didn't they go to um, some other city? I, what I about forget. The Blue Jays. What about yeah. the Raptors? Yeah. Was there exactly. a big like? Okay, guys, you cannot play at home with fans. So guess what? They had to go somewhere else where they could play. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way things happen. I I didn't get it. Like T Will, where's where's that comment from 40, T Will? Forty percent of the people had negative sentiment. Like I don't understand what the with the negative now well this is the thing sorry i had i and and it's funny and i i don't i mean i put in i I was negative very negative on it but i mean i wasn't negative on it and i guess you were able to expand and kind of let them know Mm -hmm. why you were and i hope i explained it and whether they got that for myself and other people that answered it i wasn't upset with the concept of it happening where my negativity was is how the hell are we in a situation where it can happen in saskatchewan and it can't happen here right I, i mean like you know, we love to give the 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 the, the Ryder fans a hard time. There's a great rivalry. Manitoba and Saskatchewan are basically the same place. You put a line in the middle of the prairie. I mean, oh, now certainly our governments have handled things a little differently. They seem to have rapid tests everywhere where we can't get them. And again, I don't even want to talk about this. I, I, you, you know, what I'm saying you get I was, into a situation. I was, reading, I was actually reading an article about that today in the Free Press that their government uh, requested, like double ours did. Um, we don't need to get into that. I was going to say, Hus, that I am totally okay. I said I would only be okay with them going to Saskatchewan or Saskatoon to play games if no green jerseys allowed in the building, no Rough Rider jerseys. I don't <laughs> yes. want to be sitting at home on Dress TV. Code. Dress code event. I don't want to be sitting at home Your on arcade TV. Arcade fire concert. Yeah, watching um, a bunch of Rough Riders jerseys at a Jets game. That's... I think that would be that would be hurt hurting too much. So uh, if they can do that, then I would be okay with it. But we can't. We don't even get to give these hot takes that we had because it's not happening. I had all these hot <laughs> takes lined up. I was writing them last night at my desk. I don't even get to use them because they're not even going for it. I think logistically, I was reading Elliot Friedman. He was doing his show 
with Jeff Merrick today on uh, Sportsnet Radio. And they were saying that uh, I think logistically it was too difficult to to even do this quickly. And I think they had to reimburse some of the teams for extra travel to Saskatoon. I think it would have just been a, a huge pain in the ass. And again, they're trying to kick the Everything can right down now the is a pain in the ass. You yeah. know what's a pain in the ass? Canceling or postponing all these games and figuring out how to make mm-hmm. them and, and think about what that does to the competitive balance of these teams that have to play all these extra games. Um, you know, I'm just looking in the chat. A couple takes I just want to touch. Robert Sutton. So jet season ticket holders have to pay transportation costs to Saskatoon? Not very feasible. Robert, no. See, this is the thing. <laughs> this would be as if the game doesn't happen. Like, remember in 2020 when the rest of the season got canceled? People got their money back if they wanted it. Now, I mean, many people, myself included, I was planning on, you know, getting tickets the next year. So I said, you know, keep that. We've got a credit for next season. But if you wanted to get your money back, you did. Like T. Will, upset if you're a season ticket holder and you lose the cost of those tickets while they play somewhere else. Dude, read the room. There's a max of 250 people downtown right now. You're not going to the game. You're not you. I've got season tickets. I can't go. So, um, and guess what? We're not losing the money for that. If the games aren't played, you get a credit or you get the money back. Like all of that. I, I, I have no idea whether where that even came from. Um, but absolutely made no sense. That was never on the table. Yeah, actually, we're going to move the games. Some people thought that, oh, guess what? You still have your tickets, and you, but have, you to have to go to Saskatoon to use it. <laughs> no, that's not happening either. I will say this from a from a business perspective. I mean, just from you know looking down down the road, um, if it was going to happen anywhere, and I know some people said, oh, put it in Grand Forks, do it in Fargo. I mean, the minute you start crossing borders, although for the team maybe it would be better because. You know, they would be there, they would play the game, they wouldn't be crossing the border for most of their games within the United States. Um, but there w- there could be some benefit to have the Jets play a few games in, in Saskatoon. Now, I mean, you would never don't normally do that under normal circumstances. The team is here, your fans are here, you want to do it. But, you know, if they did end up going and playing three or four games in Saskatoon, maybe you do sort of, you know, grab some more people in and uh, sort of plant that oh. flag, much like happened um, in some ways in Regina for the Heritage Classic, trying to grow the Jets fan base area into a, an area that was traditionally split between the Flames and the Oilers. And then, of course, all your Leaf fans and the uh, Habs fans that uh, that pop around, uh, pop around it. All right, Remo, we've got some uh, breaking news on uh, another postponement. Yeah, we do have some news here. Um, I mean, we were waiting for this. This is why they were looking at Saskatoon. And Ian Mendez tweeted earlier, everyone was saying that this was likely. But they did finally postpone Saturday, January 15, Ottawa and Winnipeg. You know, they had postponed the Sunday, January 16 game against Edmonton. And we're like, well, why, why isn't this one postponed yet? We're like, oh, probably for national TV. No, no, they uh, can't have the fans. So they're not going to play it. They're going to kick well, the can down the road. Well, this is interesting. And, you know, I had sort of talked about this and Ryan Pike in Calgary reached out in the National Hockey League and they said, you know, the reason why these games were not on is that they were not not in a position to be able to reschedule these Ottawa games throughout Western Canada later on in the season. So obviously something has changed um, because the game on Saturday against the Canucks isn't happening and uh, the game the following Saturday against the Winnipeg Jets. Now, I believe there are two games in the middle against Edmonton. There's a Monday game against the Edmonton Oilers. And then there's a game against the Calgary Flames before they ended up coming and finishing up the road trip in Winnipeg. So I'm not really too sure where that stands. I mean, it's almost a touch and go each and every day right now. Bottom line is, if you've got road games in the States, you're good. 
Uh, and if you've got home games or you're supposed to play against other Canadian teams right now, it's probably postponed for a while. And um, these numbers of games just continue to stack up. I know they've got, you know, a three-week window that was supposed to be for the Olympic break. But, um, man, I mean, we're already pretty much at that point, Remus, where it's going to be very difficult to continue to put off games. And, I mean, I was thinking, I, I wasn't really thinking that Saskatoon might have been an option for that game on the 15th. Um, but there are those two games at the end of the month. I want to say a game against the Florida Panthers and I think the Vancouver Canucks, the 25th and 27th, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have the schedule in front of me. Those two games, I thought, you know, the potential of maybe getting to an area where they could be played. But, um, you know, it's a brutal situation for all involved. And you know, as much as people want to say, oh, it's all about money. I mean, listen, they're, you know, True North, you know, they had that terrible PR disaster at the beginning when we were talking about the temporary people that were selling popcorn and whatnot at the games and i mean that was uncharacteristic for that organization um but other than that um you know and, and most importantly and very quietly um every full-time employee for true north has been working throughout this entire pandemic and it's not something you can say for a lot of these other teams so at a certain point you got to pay the bills um and then there's the whole cba issue with the fact that you know we've got players that need to get paid players that need to make up money from the previous season that they were paid for where the money wasn't coming in um so listen i have absolutely no issue with teams if they are put in a situation where they can't play at home and sell tickets try to figure out a way to minimize the damage and lose net less money i don't think it's that unrealistic bottom line is it doesn't seem like it's happening after the feedback and and again how realistic was it in the first place who knows what's going to happen in saskatchewan in a week um, but the fact that they consulted their stakeholders, I think, was a smart thing to do. And uh, we'll see what Kenny thinks about it coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, of course, we will talk about the big bomber signings. Willie J, Jackson Jeffcoat, Jamarcus Hardrick, all back. Shout out to Kyle Walters and uh, DC, the closers, making Mariano Rivera jealous going down to Austin, Texas and getting those deals done. Um, and we'll get to that maybe with Ken and Brandon a little bit later on. Hey, before we get to Kenny, uh, a big thank you to F Apparel for uh, joining the Winnipeg Sports Talk team. Great to have F Apparel on board. If you're not familiar with F Apparel, you've probably seen quite a few of their custom suits in and around town, especially when guys like uh, the Winnipeg Jets roll down that hallway and get captured on social media. Uh, they are Winnipeg-owned local business that makes the best custom suits for men at amazing prices. Every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great, and F's custom suits start at just $400. They got a full line of custom clothing as well. More things, dress shirts, suits, uh, winter jackets, chinos, golf pants, and more. Um, and of course, if you've got a grad coming up this year or maybe a graduate in the family would be a great spot to start. And if you're uh, maybe you've been putting a wedding off for a couple of years and you're finally hoping to get it done this summer, uh, your wedding party gets 15% off when the group buys their suits from F Apparel. Find out more online at F, that's E-P-H, fapparel.com or pop down and visit Andrew and the guys down at 190 Smith Street downtown. Um, January is here. A lot of people, maybe not necessarily making resolutions, but trying some new things. Um, if you are on a sober January, Vita Health's got some great items for you, including non-alcoholic beer from Sober Carpenter and Neil Brothers, as well as Soul Brew Elixirs, Boreal Botanicals, and Clever Mocktails. And maybe you're thinking about giving the vegan lifestyle a bit of a run if you're trying vegan you wary 
Vita Health carries so many plant-based and vegan products, Tofurky, Field Roast, Gardein, Very Good Butchers, Light Life, Beyond Meat, and more. And maybe the best part about it, if you're um, sort of just dipping your toes into the waters, a very knowledgeable and trained staff that will answer your questions and maybe help you get the, the, the best products for what you're looking at. Vita Health stock with Winnipeg's best selection of local, organic, and natural groceries, supplements, and beauty products, all at great prices. Seven locations, including the newest one in Linden Ridge, online at myvita.ca. And while we're living a little healthier and popping by Vita Health this year, we certainly know that it all starts with hydration. Just ask our next guest. He's a big fan of Culligan water, I'm sure. Uh, as much as Ken Weeb is synonymous with drinking water, the folks at Culligan are synonymous with the best water products and water services in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. Family owned, and they've been doing it for 65 years. Whether it is water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, drinking water systems for your home, or bottled services and citywide water delivery services. They've got it, not to mention for your business, commercial and industrial water products and solutions. The Culligan Man has your hookup. Give them a call, 1200 Sergeant Avenue or on phone, 204-694-5180. You can also find more about all the great Culligan water services and products online at drinkculligan.com. All right, a little Friday afternoon visit from my guy, Kenny Weeb. What's up, Weber? Oh, it's great to see you. Uh, I'm going to apologize in advance. The uh, The COVID cough is still uh, a little bit alive here, so uh, uh, I'll try to find the mute button if I have to. But otherwise, uh, doing well. Uh, been a fu fun and interesting week on a lot of fronts. Uh, as you know, Kevin BX just uh, absolutely killed it yesterday on the, on the long-form show. Uh, Renny thinking that I ran him over the bus a little bit there uh, when it came to the Anaheim Ducks series. Maybe. Uh, and I am, I, I was totally unintentional and it was not my fault, but uh, I am taking, you know, I'm not the kind of guy to gloat, but uh, I do have to, I am wearing the uh, team issue wake up shirt because the wake up shirts have a slight advantage in the, uh, in the presale over at sportsnet.ca. Uh, the count of, as of last night was 50 to 30 for the wake-ups uh, for the headbands, which I'm also here to say. This is a rote. <laughs> uh, not quite as epic proportions as the uh, the final score last night, but uh, I, I do want to thank everyone for the support on both fronts, of course. But, uh, you know, it's it's always nice to have an early lead on uh, on Sean, that's for sure. Yes, well, hey, a friendly rivalry if there ever was one. Um, I, you know, listen, I know a lot of people that were with us at the end popped over, or Remus yeah, and awesome. I did, really enjoyed it. Um, and if you haven't seen it, I mean, Bieksa is such a beauty. I mean, lots of really good stuff on, you know, his time with the Manitoba Moose, his career, getting into broadcasting, highly recommended. Some great weekend viewing because we won't have any Kenny and Rennie post games. We're going to take a couple days off. So when you're bored figuring out what the heck I should do, definitely check it out. Uh, and that is, by the way, one quick tip now that we are, you know, internet guys, like YouTubers, you know, if you go to your thing, and it just says Kenny and Rennie S2E04. Like if you're going to check it out, yeah. you might want to mention that Kevin Bieksa is the guest. <laughs> so people know that. And if you really, if you really want to take the next step, um, 
maybe change the thumbnail to have it where BX is in that and people will see it. It's amazing the clickability of something with a couple very small minor changes. No, Huss, you're bang on as usual. And as you know, uh, the technical difficulties have been a bit of a staple and a hallmark for the show. Uh, never mind the fact that it was season two, episode six of the long form instead of episode four. <laughs> uh, we're, we're trying to get we're trying to get uh, a wake up shirt to BXO when he is in the studio this weekend. So maybe we'll uh, we'll be able to help on the promotional side. But just one quick one, Huss. How about the story that he told about how he almost became a Winnipeg Jet? Yes. And how the whole conversation started when his kids were tossed out of the lunchroom at the All-Star game trying to get autographs from Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. Um, quite, a, quite a yarn he was able to spin there. And I have to say, Huss, I mean, I knew there were some rumblings about Bieksa being a potential ad for the Jets that year but I was not anywhere close to knowing how close that deal actually came to coming to fruition. And uh, that was awesome uh, for Kevin to share that story uh, with, with our viewers and with us yesterday. You know what, for all the people that were killing Maurice all those years for uh, not wanting, uh, not wanting to play young guys and the free yeah. Niku movement. I mean, it, I mean, listen to the whole thing, but essentially he said, he said, Hey, he was asked, would you want to be there? Yeah, I'd be there. But listen, if I'm going to go there and move there, you know, I want to play. And, yeah. you know, Marie basically said, all right, well, it's going to come down between you and Sammy Niku. And um, then they didn't really call back. And Sammy Niku was the guy. So um, anyways, really interesting story. Awesome interview. Make sure to check it out and uh, definitely check out the merch that the boys are uh, throwing up over at the Sportsnet shop for Kenny and Rennie. Um, Weber, listen, we'll get to the game in a minute, but just, we spend a good portion of time talking about this off the top. It's a very hot topic, even with the fact that the Jets have announced that all right, everyone cool their jets. It's not happening. I mean, what did you make? Where were, what was your take of, uh, you know, the jets sort of exploring the thoughts of season ticket holders right now, shut out of the building on their thoughts about potentially playing games in another market that will have fans, which we now know to be Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. It's so interesting. Huss. I mean, the story has so many layers and, and variables attached to it. Uh, and to be honest, at the beginning, I wasn't really sure what to think other than, uh, you can appreciate the creativity. And to me, it just sort of reinforces how dire the circumstances are and how reliant we talk all the time. In a small market like Winnipeg, it's still a gate-driven league. Of course, there's other streams of revenue, but you know, I think Elliot reported it was somewhere around a million or between 800,000 and a million per every gate lost. I mean, if a team is, you know, the Jets are a cap ceiling team. They're spending into LTIR. Uh, again, I don't know the, I, I think that insurance probably handles part of Brian Little's deal, but I mean, this is a team that's spending close to 90 million in salary. And when you're losing that type of revenue, like the six home games lost already, I mean, yes, they will be played, but we're still not sure if those games are going to be played uh, with half capacity, full capacity, 250, whatever, whatever happens with the, with the circumstances and the orders. Um, but you know, I appreciate the fact that, A, as you mentioned earlier, they did reach out to the stakeholders, and B, that they're exploring potential solutions uh, in the short term. I mean, this is not a Toronto Blue Jays situation, and both you and I followed that very closely. This wasn't that the Jets were planning to move to Saskatoon for the remainder of the season. I think it sounded like they were looking at a couple of games, whether it was two or three, uh, that remains to be seen. But especially, I mean, when we're playing the game of connecting the dots, Huss, if the Ottawa Senators canceled their games against Vancouver and uh, Winnipeg, but their two games in the middle against Alberta are still on the schedule, 
it would make sense to connect the dots and think that one of the games that was potentially being looked at was that January 15th game against Ottawa, potentially moving that to Saskatoon. So it's a short trip for those. I'd heard it was the two games later in uh, in January. Those two were still definitely on the mix us, but I think if there was going to be a third one in order to make things a little bit easier for Ottawa in terms of the travel and just having to go, I mean, again, it's only one province over, but I think if it, rather than have to fly in a team for a one-off to Saskatoon, getting them to Saskatoon from Alberta would be a lot easier than some other scenarios. If you're bringing in an American team or, or someone like that. So uh, this wasn't just some fly by the wind kind of idea. It was something that, you know, had some teeth to it. It was something that was explored, but um, I mean, there's there's a lot of layers and a lot of tentacles. I mean, I've seen all the theories out there. Oh, well, True North's trying to apply pressure to the Manitoba government to relax the restrictions. Otherwise, they're going to have to play elsewhere. I mean, that may or may not be valid. I mean, it, of course, it, it has to be considered. Uh, but the other part of it, too, is that look at what's happened with uh, Novak Djokovic in the whole deal in Australia. Where first he's in, then there's this outcry. I mean, not trying to slag governments, but Saskatchewan has not exactly handled COVID, uh, you know, extremely well, according to people that I know who live in that province. So all of a sudden, if it's not safe in, in Manitoba to play games, how can it be safe one province over where the circumstances are also challenged? So uh, I'm not sure that even, you know, in two weeks time, if, if the restrictions won't be in code red in Saskatchewan. So, uh, I mean, I understand why things were looked at, and I understand why some people are upset, but what I would say, Hassan, you saw it from having filled out the survey yourself. I mean, I don't think that 40% of people saying they were opposed to it, that to me is not an overwhelming number. But at the same time, I think you could look at the results of the survey and say it wasn't an overwhelming amount of support for the idea either. So, Well, it would uh, be interesting to check out. As I, I don't know if you caught me talking at the start of the program, but I mean, like, I, like when I fall, when I filled the thing out, I said, you know, I strongly disagree with that. And then they ask you why, and I said, right. well, you know, it would be pretty hard. It would be a tough pill to swallow being just down the road, knowing how similar things are between these two provinces, and knowing we can't go to the games here, and yet you cross the the border of Saskatchewan, you can fill a building in Saskatoon. I mean, this was not a negative, like, I can't believe you're thinking about doing it. I totally get it. I would I would be exploring ways to minimize the damage as well. I mean, and as a season ticket holder, what the hell do I care? If I can't go to the game either way and it's on television, um, I mean, I really didn't have, I have no issue with it on that. And I was one of the people that sort of voted, had a negative opinion of it. But I mean, again, and Rima sort of pointed this out, it's almost more a negative opinion of where we're at and how things are being handled here in the city. And listen, a lot of people have different views on this. No one, the only thing I think that people do agree on, Ken, and you just mentioned how you're talking to people in Saskatchewan about how the government is handling it. Like, is there any people in any province in this entire country that are fired up with the way things have been handled by their government? I mean, I, I haven't seen it at least, or maybe it's just the the squeaky wheels are the ones that we hear the most from, but um, it doesn't seem like it's a lot different anywhere else in the country, except for Saskatchewan has some different rules right now. And I checked today, they've only got 12 people in their ICU. So I mean, that's where they're at right now. And it hasn't seemed like, uh, but to your point as well, I mean, you can plan all you want for games at the end of January. Who the hell knows how different yeah. things are going to be? Things are changing on a daily basis. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I mean, that that's the whole thing, right? So the game on, on Wednesday, it, so if it's not safe to have people in Toronto to watch Oilers and Leafs, how can it be safe 
a couple provinces over. And I get it. We know the situation is fluid and and everything else. But I mean, you're right. I mean, this this is a scenario where nobody knows the answer. In two weeks, it may not be any. Hopefully, it is safer in two weeks from now. But there's no guarantee of that happening. And I think that the the scary part for a lot of these scenarios is that teams are having to look for alternatives and solutions. And you appreciate the creativity, but I mean, this is out of necessity, I think, essentially. And to me, Huss, I mean, it, it's nine postponed games already. I know there's an Olympic break, but I mean, are, are we confident in saying that all nine games are going to be able to be made up during that two-week span? I, as of today, this afternoon, I can't envision a scenario where the Jets don't follow the lead of the American Hockey League and have to tack on some games in the two weeks following the regular season. I mean, to me, I just think it makes a lot of sense on a number of levels. Um, you don't want to be jamming games in where teams are playing four and five games a week. What kind of quality of hockey is that going to be? I mean, no offense, but I mean, you're just not, you're just putting players into a situation where they're either going to get COVID or it's not, I mean, not safe is, I'm not saying it's not safe, but the chances of increase, injuries happening is going to increase exponentially if teams are playing nine games in a two-week block and again I understand not all teams have nine postponed games but there's a lot of games to make up and I think that at the end of the day they're going to have to extend the season here as a as a potential way of looking at solutions because I mean you you were talking about this Huss the the NHL is ruled by HRR and when the revenues are down it impacts everybody it impacts the players it impacts the owners it impacts the employees and it impacts all of the stakeholders and it also impacts the season ticket holders Huss right I mean if those games can't be played with with before fans I mean what are the what are the chances that ticket prices aren't going up to try to make up for some of the lost revenue. I mean, it's a vicious cycle that um, sports are in general dealing with this, uh, this kind of a factor throughout. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, And listen, for a lot of people, it's very frustrating to see um, the note that, you know, you can't come to the games in downtown Winnipeg. And then, um, you know, you watch the game last night in Colorado and now you got a big crowd and, you know, they're having a good time and it's, Listen, whatever. I mean, it's different. I mean, we're not going to solve all the world's problems here on uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk this afternoon. But I mean, I understand the frustration of a lot of people. I t- certainly understand. I mean, I, and I think I pointed this out. And I'll go back to Bob McKenzie, his um, little speech when he spoke after the World Juniors were canceled. I I don't think anyone has said it better. I mean, there's people that don't give a damn about anything on one side of things. They open it up, go this. And then there's people on the other side that for two years have been locked this down and locked this down. And then the majority of people are in the middle doing what they can do to protect themselves, to protect their families and trying to do what they can to live somewhat of a normal life. We're two years into this. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I mean, it really does seem, especially with this Omicron variant and how it's hit so many people um, and fortunately, it seemed has seemed to be much milder, especially if you've protected yourself with the vaccine and especially a booster. Um, but um, anyways, we it, it's difficult. It's frustrating. Um, and I don't think it's changing anytime soon. Um, just one quick thing on that front. I mean, I just think it's another example of people are in survival mode, like all people. I mean, I was, yes. explaining, I was having a conversation <laughs> like this the other day. It just feels right now, it's like the early days of, you know, it's hard to say because we're in the middle of this, you know, minus 25 deep freeze, but it feels like we're out for a walk on the ice and you're hoping that the next step, the water, like the, you don't fall in. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is literally what it feels like right now 
you're hoping to get to the end to the solid ground but at any point the next step is the one that could push you right into the into the ice and you better hope you can swim in that scenario right i mean it's a scary time on a lot oh, of it is. Hey, speaking of ice, I do have some good news for everyone just as we transition to the game last night. I can tell you that work is going on right now on the river trail. Um, they, nice. the, uh, the machines were out this morning. They've got the paths going. I'm sure everyone's old Christmas trees that they dumped at the Forks, those will be going out. And I would imagine in the next few days, certainly in the next week, I think that's going to be up and going. And uh, that'll be good for a lot of people. Get out of this real deep freeze and hopefully can get out and start doing some things. Uh, let's go to the game last night. 7-1. Sure. Um, uh, listen, my takeaway, I kind of like the way the Jets started. I thought they were strong in the first period. But, I mean, going into that final 40, that was a high-octane, powerful hockey team that flexed all over the Winnipeg Jets for the last 40 minutes. And, uh, well, the final score reflected that, Ken. It sure did, Huss. Uh, you're right. I mean, to be honest, the Jets played, I would say, as strong as a first period as they could have played. Uh, I mean, of course, they got, you know, the Avalanche got the late goal from Nazem Kadri on the redirection to tie things up. But uh, I would say that for a decent chunk of that first period, the Jets actually dictated the play, which you wouldn't have necessarily, you wouldn't have thought that based on the score at the end of the game. But um, the Jets did come out strong. I mean, yes, they got the power play goal, but I thought that they had a lot of zone time. They created some nice opportunities. And there were some big time moments where the Jets had chances to get that game to two to nothing. I thought Darcy Kemper was having trouble catching the puck. There were a couple times there were pucks behind him in the in and around the crease where the Jets just couldn't get to them. But, you know, I said this yesterday in the postgame with Dave Lowry. I mean, when the Jets were unable to convert the three-on-one rush, it was a nice play, Shifley to Ehlers, maybe a, a hair low, but a really good scoring chance and a great save by Kemper. After that, Colorado elevated and the Jets had no answers, especially, as you mentioned, for that top line. I mean, Nathan McKinnon in pure MVP form, uh, five, a five-pointer. Don't, don't mind me dropping a five-pointer on you here. Uh, and there, too. I mean, the Jets had no answer for the, the speed of McKinnon or the physical nature and ability to get to the blue paint from Nico Ranton and, and Gabe Landeskog. I mean, those guys had a phenomenal game. Uh, the Jets had no answer for that line. And there, it's a subtle reminder. I mean, Adam Lowry said it best. I mean as well as St. Louis and Minnesota and Nashville have been playing at times, the road through the Central goes through Colorado. Uh, I think that was pretty apparent. I um, mean, the fact that the Jets have been blown out by the Minnesota Wild and the Colorado Avalanche, is that a concern? Of course, to a degree, it's a concern. Um, but it's also a reminder that 20 minutes against those teams is not enough because actually the same thing against Minnesota. Jets were decent in the first, and then the kind of the roof caved in um, in that game as well so um I, I would say too there there weren't a lot of positives in that game uh the first penalty kill was impressive uh i think they had three or four zone entry denials but after that i mean three out of four i mean that that's a pretty good number for a team that had been 16 of 17 on the kill going into the game and the uh, jets power play let them down when the game was still within reach yeah yeah definitely i mean the, and you know they got that power play early on but did not make the most of some opportunities earlier on and uh, then when they spent some time in the box colorado made them pay i mean the mckinnon landeskog ranton in line um just ran a muck last night and I, I, listen i'll be honest i had no idea nate mckinnon only had three goals going into Me that either. game like what a <laughs> bizarre bizarre stat he goes one for four they put up i think 12 points if you're Dave Lowry, I mean, you've now had four games, um, you know, to coach this club. 
Uh, you're going into a week where it's more practice. You're getting ready for Detroit. A couple more days off before you get on that big road trip in the East playing, I think, Boston and Pittsburgh and Washington, yeah. some good teams. I mean, what's the takeaway from last night's game? And when you look at, you know, going up against one of the elite lines in the National Hockey League, I mean, uh, what's the takeaway from last night as to what you can do better and how you handle a line like that, because you're going to see him again a number of times later on this season. Yeah, honestly, I think it just reinforced the things that Dave Lowry's been saying. Like, look where the majority of those goals for that line came from. In and around the blue paint. Yes, there were some highly skilled plays that were made. Um, whether that was, I think, Rantanen uh, dancing around, I think maybe it was Cop near the blue line before the Patrick goal on the rebound. But, I mean, these were goals that were scored in and around the net. Yes, uh, McKinnon scored from a little bit of distance, but, I mean, most of the goals were happening around the area where the Jets have been talking about needing to get to offensively and needing to defend better in their own zone. They just did not do a good enough job on the box outs. And I'm here to tell you, I was like, that's probably the best line in hockey. Uh, I mean, in terms of offensive generation, yes, the Bruins have a great line and there's some other good lines around the league as well. But in terms of the skill set and the total package, that trio is tough to contain. And they do the necessary things to get, like, again, yeah, these aren't end-to-end -end angles. They're not all goals scored off the rush. These are goals scored around the blue paint, uh, going to the hard areas, and then they toss in a little bit of skill uh, to boot. And, and they, like you said, the Jets just had no answer. They tried basically all the different lines against them, and they had no success with any of them. And it was just a reminder of how well you have to play when you're up against that line. And us, we talk about it all the time. When the Jets get into trouble against skilled and fast teams – Puck management is often an issue. And what happens is if you turn the puck over, those guys are relentless. I mean, they play a similar kind of a game to Vegas. Like when Vegas is playing well, they're forcing you to turn things over because of their speed, their tenacity, their ability to create some disruption and chaos on the forecheck. check. And then too, they're not afraid to go to the blue paint and, and get dirty. And uh, I said it was Sean last night, and I'm curious for your take on this, Huss. Do you think that Curtis McDermott banging into Hellebuck so early in the game may have kind of not necessarily knocked him off his game, but certainly had him maybe looking over his shoulders a little bit during the course of the, of the contest. Uh, you know what? It's an interesting question, Kenny. Um, you know, hard to get inside his head. I mean, we didn't hear from him after the game, right. but I would say that this was not vintage Hellebuck last night. I mean, you know, in a couple of the goals, I mean, he was still getting in front of them, but the rebound control wasn't right there. It just seemed right. to be a little bit off. And, I mean, I'm certainly that could be something. I mean, he he usually is the guy I think that, you know, is pretty much locked in. But, you know, if you are a little bit bent out of shape about something like that happens and a couple pucks go in, you know, it can sort of snowball on you. And it really did sort of seem like that happened, not just to the netminder, but to the entire hockey team in the second half of that game. No, I agree. And that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that it, it, it impacted his rebound control, but you always hear it us. I mean, when you're going up against a high end or an elite level goalie, you want to get in front of his eyes. And if you can bump into him once in a while, of course, it's the kind of thing. No, no goalie wants to be run into or you know run over or whatever else. So uh, I just thought it was an interesting scenario. And again, I know some people are up in arms. Why don't you fight Curtis McDermott? Well, what is that going to accomplish? I mean, you got a power play. The Jets scored on the power play. But I mean, the problem is... Um, the Jets don't really have that nuclear type of like some people don't know who Curtis McDermott is. He's like an Anthony Peluso type. Like this is the full on nuclear kind of option here. So uh, I don't think that Josh Morrissey dropping the gloves with Curtis McDermott or later on in the game after the hit on Perfetti, CJC saying, I'm fighting you. 
that accomplishes absolutely nothing. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd far rather them do the exact same thing in the other net and stick their ass right in Darcy Kemper's, uh, you know, you know, area and, you know, make life miserable for him. And if something comes up because of that, whatever, it happened in one end, it'll happen at the other and yeah. sort of, you know, fight fire with fire. Um, Because exactly, I mean, grabbing some guy from fourth line to fight some meathead is not going to do anything for, frankly, the hockey game or your goaltender who uh, might be a little bit out of sorts after what happened at the beginning of the game. Yeah, and one other quick one, Hasse. I kind of was wondering about your thoughts on this too. I, I kind of want, I know it was only four to one. I kind of wondered if the Jets would have, were going to consider going to Eric Comrie in the third period, given the time off until next Thursday. But again, I think in my in my head, I think I just figured that you know Hellebuck has played a lot, yes, and Comrie hasn't played for a while. But I just feel like the Jets still felt they were in the game at four to one. Absolutely. If they, get, if they get the next goal, like I understand, it's easy to say, "Oh, just go to Comrie there." Well. I mean, if you're the Jets, your best chance to win is with Hellbuck in the net. So, I mean, and then could you go to him at 5-1? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, if you want to do a mercy poll, I mean, I you know, it, it's an interesting thing to bring up because, I mean, of course, it's a new head coach with the with yeah. the trigger. And um, Connor Hellebuck's your most important player. I mean, and I don't know how much they've talked about those scenarios, when he would like to come out of the net, when he wouldn't. At some point, the coach just knows. I don't really think that was the last night. And then the, the, the you know, they, when it got to seven, one, those goals were so late in the game. I mean, you're not yeah. pulling a guy at 58 minutes in the hockey game. So uh, sort of was what it was. The writing was on the wall when they were not able to capitalize on any of those power plays in the third period. The minute it got to five, one, it was curtains and um, everyone could, uh, you know, could move on to uh, getting ready for the post game shows, if you will, at that, at that point. <laughs> Um, what do you think happens with the club over the course of this next week going into uh, Detroit? I mean, a uh, lot of games being postponed, a lot of work coming up down the way, but I mean, they just basically got back after a two week break and now it's another week off before a one game road trip. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. The, the, the ability to manage your time uh, during this stretch is going to be uh, essential. I mean, I think obviously we know that yesterday was another example. You know, there's a lot of work to be done if you want to be a playoff team. And then if you want to be an elite team, I mean, to try to beat a team like Colorado four times in a seven-game series, there's obviously work that needs to be done. Uh, I mean, again, that's not to discount what the Jets... The Jets played strong games against St. Louis and Vegas. I mean, we're not discounting those by any stretch of the imagination, but it just reinforces the things that you have to do all the time in order to have success against high-end teams. And as you mentioned, us, a lot of those teams on the schedule coming up are high-end teams. And, I mean, you respect what Colorado's been able to do in rattling off 10 in a row at home. But at the end of the day, for the Jets, they went into last night's game with two games in hand on the Oilers and a chance to get back in the playoff spot. They didn't do that. And now they're only going to play one game in the next week. And now some of those other teams, even though Edmonton's not busy, some of those other teams are going to be playing some games. It's so. going to be impossible to read the standings. I mean, honestly, I mean, we're yeah. literally going to have to be looking at point percentage and looking at the schedule and when, who are the makeup games against, who do the teams play? I mean, uh, it, and and I don't think it'll really be clear I mean, unless a team just completely drops out or, you know, wins 19 to 20 to know right. where they are, because I mean, you know, teams are going to be in such different situations with different schedules, with different amount of games to make up. It'll be tough. Hey, uh, we haven't talked about Cole Perfetti yet, got into the lineup. Sorry, yeah. And and if there was ever a night to uh, for Dave Lowry to fire up that new blender he got for Christmas, last night was it. Um, Starter on the fourth line, played with a number of different units. I mean, maybe speak to the lines as well, but specifically Perfetti uh, getting back into an NHL, ac NHL action. 
Yeah, sorry, I got sidetracked there. I was going to try to tie that back to Perfetti, who I just wrote a column about Perfetti uh, on going up at Winnipeg or uh, CJB.com this afternoon, uh, sort of talking about his road and and what we saw in last night's game. And uh, in terms of a little bit of a teaser there, I, I liked Perfetti's game on a lot of levels. Um, you know, I think he had 14 shifts for 10:31 and 2:07 on the power play. Uh, the one thing for the Jets that I didn't like out of the game last night, I didn't like the fact that the first unit was staying on a little, I would say a little bit too long, couple couple times, minute 30, minute 45. Uh, I liked what I saw from Perfetti on the, on the power play specifically. He's such a great distributor of the puck. He makes such smart reads and he's a good shooting option. So uh, I like the fact that, I mean, with Paul Stastny out, it allowed the Jets to put him in a scenario where, although he started on the fourth line, he's going to, you know, his bread and butter will, come with playing with skilled players eventually. So being on the power play is a place that the Jets can get him some extra touches and have him feel good about himself. I thought he made some smart reads over the course of the game. Uh, a couple of nice interchanges. I think he made, he got the puck to the defenseman that opened up for a pass. I mean, those are small, subtle things that it just goes back to the, his ability to process the game at such a high speed and a high level. But what I would also say to some of the folks that are just saying, Un- unleash the beast and put him immediately on the top line, um, I mean, there are also some shifts that were tough. I mean, uh, I think one of the shifts where they were, he was out with Lowry and, and Reichel, they got caught out against uh, the McKinnon line. I think there was a turnover uh, potentially by Perfetti where they got hemmed in for one of those 45 second shifts where it's hair on fire and, and things are happening and, and you're just hoping that the puck doesn't go in if you're Perfetti. So there are still some things to learn. And I think this is what I wrote. I mean, folks are going to have to understand like Cole Perfetti is in a hybrid kind of a situation. Um, and there's nothing wrong with starting out on the fourth line, but he's also the kind of guy that you can move up in the lineup if you're looking for for an offensive spark. I mean, two, you, you can't probably right now, you can't have both Svechnikov and Perfetti in the top six. So it's going to be kind of a, a hybrid and a blend. Sometimes one guy's going, the other guy's not going. So you're going to see him moving in and out of the lineup. And that's okay. To me, has I mean, you asked about what's going to happen in the next week. I'm fascinated. You know, what are the symptoms going to be for Jansen Harkins? How, what is the severity of Paul Stastny's lower body injury? I mean, I think that what I would say about Perfetti to kind of put a bowl on it, I think he did an excellent job. And I think he earned another look. I mean, is that look going to come next Thursday? I'm not sure. But I think I saw enough from Perfetti to say I'd like to see him more, whether that means uh, Stastny's not ready or Harkins needs a, a day of practice with the team before he jumps in the lineup. I mean, that remains to be seen. But uh, I want to see more of Perfetti. Do I expect him to spend more time in the American League? Absolutely. But what I would say right now is that Cole Perfetti today versus Cole Perfetti in October, I notice a discernible difference in terms of his confidence level on the ice and his ability to process the game at that speed and that level. Some of that early on in the year, Cole talked about it in the morning yesterday. You're naturally going to be nervous for your first NHL game. I didn't think he looked nervous yesterday, but that, that doesn't mean he doesn't have things to work on. He's 20 years old. Almost every player in the NHL has something to work on, especially a 20-year-old player. But what I have noticed about Perfetti is that he's playing with more confidence, and because of his ability to process the game and make smart plays and reads, he can fit in at that level. So... Uh, I'm very curious to see how the opportunities will be uh, presented to him as we move along here. Weber, great stuff. Thanks so much for doing this. Have an awesome weekend. Uh, what are you going to do this weekend? No hockey games? <laughs> um, even the NFL slate, there's a few important games on Sunday, but uh, maybe get outside, enjoy nature in the middle of an extreme cold morning. 
Yeah, I think it's time, Huss. Uh, you know, the toughest decision in the last few days are which pair of sweatpants to wear. So I think I'm going to try to get myself outdoors and uh, enjoy things. But uh, nice to be coming out of quarantine officially after the COVID uh, case, that's for sure. No doubt about it. Folks, make sure you go over to the uh, Kenny and Randy page on YouTube. Check out the uh, long-form interview with Kevin BX. Uh, it was phenomenal. And um, whether you're a headband guy or a wake-up guy, <laughs> the shirts are available. <laughs> our friends at KNR over at the Sportsnet store. Have a good one, dude. Thanks for doing thanks for joining us. Yeah, have a great weekend, Huss. Uh, best to everyone, and including Brandon. Have a great uh segment with him, man. Good to see him. Yeah, you know, I don't know between these two guests who's got better hair, but we will decide that in a moment when uh, when Brandon Rewicki joins us. Uh, you know, just before we get to that, um, I mentioned that extreme cold warning. Uh, hopefully you have not had to use booster cables or you have not been down and out, but we know many people are, and it's going to continue to happen as we get through this deep freeze for the next few weeks here in Winnipeg. If you have any sort of battery needs for your car, maybe you need some new industrial booster cables. Uh, our friends at Manitoba battery have you covered over at 1026 Logan Avenue. First and foremost, the best prices on automotive batteries in town locally owned Save yourself the time and money going to a big box store like Costco and the support local. $89.50 battery start at over at Manitoba Battery. And if you're stuck at home because the car won't start, uh, they can also get that delivered for you as well. A snowmobile season is here. They've got uh, batteries for all makes and models. Um, and of course, as we head into the uh, summer, batteries for uh, all the fun stuff we'll dream of using right now. Right now, you're just hoping that the damn car starts with minus 30. Manitoba Battery has you covered. Give Donnie and the gang a call. 204-783-8787. Pop down and see him at 1026 Logan Avenue or check him out online at manitobabattery.com. Finishing up a very successful Boxing Week sale. Our friends at Royal Sports are ready for the next few months. Of course, uh, you know, we haven't really been able to wear our Jets gear down to the arena, but I know many of you, uh, you know, want to continue adding to the collection and they have the best selection of Winnipeg Jets merchandise from all makes and models over at Royal Sports. We're going to talk a little Bombers as well with Brandon coming up. Uh, that Grey Cup Championship merchandise available at Royal Sports. And as long as we're still able to go outside and participate, play hockey, they are the hockey superstore. Millions of dollars in inventory, skates, goal, uh, goaltending equipment as well. It's all there if you need anything when it comes to hockey, snowboarding for that matter as well. Pop down and see them. And when you're there at 750 Pemina Highway, make sure you check out all the cool stuff on the skate uh, on the Kings skate, snow, and surf side of the building. And follow on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and deals from our friends over at Royal Sports. And uh, new year, new ride. If you're thinking about a new car for 2022, make sure you start your search over at Not Auto Corp. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team Waverly and McGilvery is where they're at. They've also got the brand new Winnipeg Car Lab that is open, ready to go, doing striping, tinting, custom wraps, rims, and so much more. Follow Winnipeg Car Lab on all their socials for more information on what they're doing. And if you're in the market for a vehicle, head on down to Not Auto Corp and tell them the boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. Again, Knott's at Waverly and McGilvery and online at Knott.ca. All right, speaking of hair, oh, God, Brandon is looking good today. Let's welcome him in. Brandon Rowicki, the host of the very popular Skates and Plates podcast, talking all things Winnipeg Jets, food as well. What's going on? What do you have in the background there? You've been doing some art over the holidays? Are you painting? 
Yeah, I, I wish I could say that. Unfortunately, it's a, another sign of my laziness. It's um, it's it, it's a, I guess a banner from my daughter's first birthday party, which was He's four now. She's <laughs> it feels <laughs> like it. It feels like it's been four years. It was her first birthday, um, but that was well over a month ago. And I tried to take it down before we got on, and it's just hammered in too tightly. So it's it's going to stay up for the time being. Well, you know what? It looks uh, wonderful. And a, a belated birthday to your little princess well, as you. well. Hey, you know what? We've talked a lot of Jets so far, and we will certainly get to Jets, and I want your topic on it. But can we quickly talk Bombers? I mean, let's get some good yeah. news going on. How about the work that Kyle Walters in D.C. did down on their little trip to Texas? First, they announced that... Yoshi is back, Jamarcus Hardrick, and then follow that up with the double in the Lone Star State. They brought the Grey Cup down. Jackson Jeffcoat brought it to the Texas Longhorns facility. He gets his deal done. And uh, Willie J, as he as he tweeted last night, back the Brinks truck up to IG Field. Well, they got it done. Both individuals signed. Uh, great news for Blue Bomber fans heading into the weekend. You know, this is what's funny about those signings to me. And, and they had to be done. Like, they're, I mean, you're talking about the two best defensive ends, one of the best tackles in all of the, all, all of the CFL. But I always, and I think a lot of people, used to make fun of, if we want to bring it to the NHL for a second, you know, when the Capitals won and they signed TJ Oshie to that crazy deal, right? Like, you win a cup, you reward your players. The Kings did it. And it, it kind of was to all their team's downfalls and just like, you gotta you gotta have a little bit of dispassionate loyalty and and look at things with maybe a bit of a cold heart. But now that the Bombers have actually won back to back Grey Cups, I'm like, how the hell do you not sign these guys and bring the, the the game back to go for the three feet? Right? Like now, I totally get why GMs do that and why fans are are kind of like, ah, whatever, screw it. Like we got a cup, bring them all back. So yeah, well, we saw in Hamilton uh, last month. I mean. That literally was Kyle Walters called his shot at the celebration. He said, you know, two years ago, we won the Grey Cup. And I said, I'm going to try to get these guys back and do it again. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, last year's season, I mean, it could not have got any better. Um, and I mean, listen, if you want to do it again, starting off with Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat and that monster offensive line is a pretty damn good place to start. Yeah, well, and on top of it, too, I mean, I don't know if you're going to replace those guys, right? Like, especially Willie, right? I mean, he's just a, a complete freak of nature, and and calling him just a defensive end seems like it's a disservice to him. Yeah, and, not, and then you take it to all the intangibles, the stuff that he does on and off the field. It's it's a no brainer. But you know, at the very least, you know, the secondary was so damn good this year. How many of those guys did Bombers fans know about going into the year? You know what I mean? Like, I I think we have to none of them, dude. Walters. They brought thirty five DBs to camp. 35 right but like nobody <laughs> nobody knew Nichols. nobody knew all right complete complete no names when it comes to the cfl game they're all stars and a couple of them are going to play the nfl this year so you, you got to find a way to to retain the guys that are really hard to replace and as good as those dbs were all season long i, I think kyle walters and company can find a, a couple more of those guys it'll be interesting to see what they do on the offensive side but i mean the heartbeat of this team is the defense and, and maybe even more so the defensive line. So to have Willie and Jackson coming back, no brainer, but Oh, it just in the cold, cold winter, it's about as close as you can get to war with your heart. Well, and, and I'll tell you what, and I know Willie and his family who uh, have sort of become one of the first families of Winnipeg sports, his wife's so great on uh, social media, their adorable daughter as uh, you know, I mean, they've got a big following and they're out there and um, they're a lot of fun to have around. I mean, they'd been talking about, you know, maybe kind of settling down and 
spending their time in Winnipeg year round. Um, I'm just going to say this. I'm glad they're in Texas right now because it may have been a harder sell right now. Yeah. It may have cost an extra 25K yeah. if Willie was here right now signing that deal with the weather right now as opposed to Walters in D.C. grabbing the Great Cup and going down to Texas. So well played, Kyle Walters and the Bombers. And uh, great news as we get into this offseason. Uh, bottom line is if either of those guys made it to CFL free agency, um, there would have been interest from every single other team in the Canadian Football League. Yeah, and probably at a number the Bombers couldn't match, right? Because, I mean, it's it's hard to look at it any, any other way. Willie Jefferson comes over to Winnipeg, and two great cup rings follow shortly thereafter. I, I don't think that's a coincidence. So I, I'm just happy. It, it's just, it's it's a bizarre world we live in right now, Huss, where nothing seems to make sense anymore. And I'll utter the words that, you know, through the first 29 or so years of my life, I thought would never be possible. Let's go for the three beat. Like the B- Bombers dynasty. Like what the hell are we talking about here? But it's a possibility. It's you know what? Absolutely. You, know, you, you can't win three until you win two. They've got that done. And now, you know, we know what the goal is going into uh, the upcoming season for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Brandon Rewicki is with us. Make sure you check out and subscribe to the Skates and Plates podcast. Some great Jets talk. Um, coming up, let's get to last night. I mean, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about where the team was going to be playing and if fans are going to be in the building. I was kind of hoping that would be more a hot topic. We might not have to talk about last night's game very much, but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we always joke about these litmus test games and what's the Jets' record in litmus test games? Uh, if last night was a litmus test game, which I think you can make the argument it was, a uh, resounding tick in the L column. Um, I didn't mind the start. I thought the way the team got going was pretty good. And as Ken, we mentioned, they did have some opportunities to maybe get up to maybe that changes the game, but I got to tell you, I mean, that was a scary display of that top line and just the overall power of the Colorado avalanche team in that second and third period. And uh, some major lessons to be learned for a team that aspires to be able to go toe to toe with Colorado. You're not getting out of the central division. If you can't do that. No, and I mean, to be fair to the Jets, I don't know how many other teams in the Central are going to fare a whole lot better. I know Minnesota kind of always plays Colorado tough, but they are just in a class all their own from what I've seen in the Western Conference. I mean, Tampa, Florida have been great, but Colorado at full strength, they're they're going to be, uh, you know, on pace for a 120-point team. Like, they're a special, special group. But yeah, you're right. Like that's just kind of what stood out to me. There, there were two things really, and I, we'll we'll get to the litmus test part of it uh, a little bit later. But the first is just the speed. Colorado is so much faster than every team in the NHL, and it's not just strictly you know like the physical speed of their forwards and defensemen, but just how quickly they transition up the ice, and then even how how fast they get back too. It, it just it feels like it's six on five the entire game. And it's just really, really tough to slow them down, but even to generate a ton of scoring chances against them. But watching it, we all know Colorado is either the best or one of the top three teams in the NHL. I don't know how you felt. It was just disheartening for me to see that, wow, the Winnipeg Jets are one, two, three, four notches below what Colorado has right now. And and for a team that some people, I don't know how many, but I think some people tabbed as maybe a, a dark horse Stanley cup contender going into the season. The Winnipeg jets aren't even in the same stratosphere as, as the Colorado avalanche right now. And it's that, that was kind of my big takeaway was just, you know what? A, a lot of hope and a lot of promise, especially after 10 games into the season, when the jets started off so well, 
it, it's kind of just this big splash of cold water right in the face that, oh man, they're they're not just a move or two away from reaching what Colorado has. They're a couple of moves and then a ton of good luck and good fortune thrown in there as well. Yeah, well, it was a definite, a definite reality check, I think, for a lot of people. And, um, and, you know, let's pull this back because, I mean, of course, December 17th was about as newsworthy a day as we've had maybe since the Winnipeg Jets came here in 2011. Um, you know, with Paul Marie stepping down as head coach. And I mean, I don't have much to take away from the game that night. I mean, everyone was stunned. The players looked stunned like a funeral watching the warmups before the game. And, uh, you know, whatever, we'll kind of just couch that game. But, um, you know, the way they came back and beat St. Louis, then had two weeks off, bounced back from a tough start against Vegas, got that win, played quite well, I thought, really for a full 60 minutes against Arizona. And uh, our nemesis, Carl Vimelka, kept the uh, kept the Coyotes in that game. That's stupid I mean, they, milk, man. <laughs> they, they ran off three wins in a row. Um, and it gave people a lot of excitement going into that game last night. Um, and with all due respect to Vegas, who's been great so far this season, but they weren't even close to the roster that they expect to have come playoff time. Um, but again, you can only beat the teams that come in front of you. Uh, but this was moving up a number of weight classes and uh, uh, reality check, probably a good way of describing it. Um, but from Dave Lowry's perspective, I asked this to Ken. I mean, you're getting back to practice, getting ready for, you know, another number of days before you play one game against the Detroit Red Wings and then have a really challenging road trip against some good East teams. I mean, what are the takeaways from last night's game? And if you're the head coach, what are you trying to instill in this club on top of what you've been doing so far to, um, you know, frankly, with the goal of being able to hang with that team at some point in May. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's some micro and some macro to to take away and, and to answer your question there. I guess just, you know, from a game-to-game -game basis here, the, the Jets really need a lot more out of their third line. I mean, we've kind of harped on Shifley for a large chunk of the season. Like Wheeler, when he was healthy, got a lot of flack as well. And I think Shifley's game has actually improved over the last few games. But you can even make the case that you need a, a touch more out of him still. But, man, the Jets just aren't getting much at all from, I mean, the third line and, and the fourth line as well. I don't know how much people expected out of the fourth line going into the season anyways, but the third line is, is almost giving you zero offense. And, and you got to find a way to, to juice up the scoring on that line first and foremost, I think. I mean, Adam Lowry has six points in 32 games this season. Right, like on, on pace for under 20 points. And if he's playing 15 minutes a night, I mean, that's that's just not good enough. No matter how well you play defensively, you, you, you got to get a little more offensive production out of him. I don't know if that means trying to reconfigure the lineup to make it a little more balanced in your top nine. Maybe it do, means do, giving are you down with shot. are you down with copying back with Lowry? I thought for the game last night, I would have. I mean, Dave Lowry did switch it up pretty quickly. I would have went cop Shifley Ehlers as the top line. Just, just the way Colorado's configured and then have... I, I, I don't know if last night was the game to put Perfetti in the top six, to be honest. Like, that's a really, really big leap for him to go from the, the best in the AHL to the best in the NHL. So I know people were... That upset. ain't Austria. That ain't Austria yeah, on the other it, side it of the ring. It ain't, it ain't Austria. <laughs> and it ain't going to be Germany if he goes to the Olympics as well, right? Like, I, I think Detroit might be a, a better option if you want to give him top six minutes against the Red Wings. Um... But I, I thought I would have went with Cop the entire game with Shifley just because you know that, I mean, what, what we saw happen eventually happened. If you can't slow down McKinnon's line, you're you're going to get killed out there. And, th and that's ultimately what happened. I mean, I, I don't know what the, what the right answer is outside of just flat out getting more from Adam Lowry. 
Um, but I, I think if you want more out of that line over the next few games, assuming, you know, Stasny comes back, is that you have to put Andrew Kopp with Adam Lowry. Because at least, you know, that combination has given you something offensively in the past. I, I think that's probably your only move because having Pesalainen and Harkins flanking Adam Lowry, we, we've seen that for the majority of the season. Not that they're bad, but they're just not going to give you anything offensively. And if the top guns are going cold on a night... Yeah, you're probably not going to win a lot of games because they're giving you no offense. Who do you think is the best fit? I mean, let's assume that everyone's in the mix. Say everyone came back this week and you had a healthy lineup going into Detroit or that road trip coming up. Who makes the most sense to play, assuming that Cop and Lowry are together, playing pretty significant matchups, going up against the top line when the coach has the last change? Who's the guy you're sticking along with that Cop-Lowry uh, combo? Yeah, so I would I, I really liked the way Stasny Shifley Ehlers were coming around over the last couple of games, I guess, since the return. I, I thought there I, I could almost sense that a breakout was coming, and then of course Paul Stasny gets COVID and it gets halted for a little while. But I, I keep those three. I think together. he's got an LBI, by the way. Stasny's the LBI. Oh, right, right. And then it's DeMello and Harkins that are on the uh, on the COVID list. So uh, just just to clarify. Yeah, that. yeah. COVID injury, it's it's all over the place. He's out of the lineup. I, either way, though, I'd love to see those three as as the quote-unquote top line. I might even put Sveshnikov with Lowry and Kopp, to be honest. Just just because Harkins, Harkins looked okay. He looked pretty good in, in Vegas. I mean, he scored a hell of a goal mm-hmm. playing with Connor and Dubois, right? So so maybe that's the way to go. I, I think you probably have to choose either Harkins or Perfetti, to be honest. It's just Perfetti's this big unknown. Like I, I know everybody says just, hey, put the, put the hotshot kid up there and he's going to be just fine. We, we don't know that. If he, if he can, it's a massive boost to the team because then you can really beef up that third line. And, and when Blake Wheeler comes back, I mean, to have a potential third line of Lowry Cop wheeler you, you'd be looking pretty good. That, that would match up pretty well with a lot of third lines across the NHL. So there, there's still some, some tinkering and some wait and see to happen here. I mean, Cole Perfetti is kind of the, the big question mark, the guy that could provide... I mean, a huge boost to this team, both this season and next season, if he shows that he's a potential second-line player at the age of 20. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. And I think a lot of people were anxious to see what he uh, would look like getting into the lineup. It was a, a strange scenario of getting in, but we'd said all week long. I mean, if Perfetti's going to come in, much like many Jet regulars have in the past, it's probably going to be because of you know some sort of an injury. And I will put Billy Hanela into that mix as well. And you knew at some point, I mean, there was either going to be injuries or the COVID bug was going to bite the Winnipeg Jets at some point. And I mean, right now, fingers crossed, it's just the two players that were put on the list yesterday. Um, but I would think that it's realistic that in the next few weeks, just out of circumstance, we'll probably see Billy Hanel at some point, not just being called up or being on the taxi squad, but probably getting into the lineup. And Tell you what, that will be very interesting to see as well because I think that if Billy can come in and show, I mean, I think back to the game against uh, a bit against Arizona, I thought Stanley had sort of a rough one of his rougher yeah. games, um, and of course, you know, everyone sort of focused in on the free pizza that ended up being uh, on the goal, um, but I couldn't help, and I think I mentioned this on the show a couple of days ago. I mean, if I'm Dave Lowry and you're realizing some of the things that you sort of need, that confidence with the puck, the ability to just make the make the right play, make the right pass, in addition to being able to do some things offensively, uh, it might be time. And again, you know, at health, healthy, it's difficult to take anyone out of the lineup. But um, I think that game in particular, and Dave Lauer's only been on the bench for a few games, is the guy that makes that final decision. 
you'd have to think that they might be looking at, you know, maybe we get this guy into the mix and then see really who their best six are going into the second half of the season. Yeah, I, th- I think Stanley's, you know, struggled maybe a bit more, not not as badly as the Arizona game, but I, I we haven't seen the same player, I think, that we saw last year. I, I don't know if it's a sophomore slump or, or whatever's going on, but I, I think Stanley's impact has diminished a little bit this season. But having said that, I mean, I don't know if the Jets would do this just because we've seen them hesitant to do so in the past, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing... Stanley and Hanela together on a pairing, right? Like they, they'd be your third pairing. You're not going to give them matchups against the top lines. They're not going to play 20 minutes. But I, I like the mix where you have your your prototypical puck mover in Hanela paired with, uh, you know, a, a more of a stay-at-home defenseman in Logan Stanley. And Billy Hanela's looked good on his offside. I mean, he played played with Josh Morrissey on the top pairing there last year, and he looked pretty good. Although, I mean, I think it was against Ottawa, but... The kid's shown that you can probably put him anywhere on the ice defensively, and he's he's going to be just fine. Billy Hanel is just in this weird spot right now where I think it's clear he's too good for the AHL, but has he has he hammered down on the door enough to basically force his way into an everyday NHL lineup? And that's probably not the case just yet, so I, I don't really know what the right answer is for him because how, how much longer does he need to dominate the AHL before you give him a chance at the NHL level? At least to see, right? If he, if he doesn't tear it apart here, then yeah, give him 25 minutes a night for the rest of the year and, and, and you try this again next year. But I, I'm, I'm totally with you where at some point here, whether it's Bull U coming out, whether it's even Stanley coming out for a night or two, you, you kind of owe it to yourself as an organization to, to know what you have in Billy Hanela at the NHL level. Brandon Rewicki, host of Skates and Plates with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. We'll get to Lee Hacksaw Hamilton a little later on. Tee up that huge game on Sunday night, essentially a playoff game between the Raiders and Chargers. And we will have a marble race to finish off the week before the end of the program. Brandon, uh, you know, I know it's hard to even focus on anything a week or two down the road in uh, a lot of aspects of life right now. But when you look at the Winnipeg Jets, um, you know, with Blake Wheeler on LTIR, assuming that he does come back at some point, but let's just say that the cap crunch for the Winnipeg Jets isn't quite in two months or a month when we get to that trade deadline where it has been for this year and they do have a little bit of wiggle room. If you're Kevin Dayoff and you're looking at an acquisition, what area of the club <clears throat> would you look to be improving? So there, there's kind of two answers with this. One is more realistic. One is a little unrealistic. Unfortunately, the unrealistic one is the biggest hurdle the Jets have to pass if they want to reach the level of, of a team like the Avalanche. I mean, the number one issue, I, I think it's clear, and it's not even that the defense has been an issue this season so far, but the Jets need a stud number one defenseman. Where do you get him? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know where you get him, and I don't know how you get him, but that to me is the biggest hole in this Jets lineup right now. Because if you look at the Jets' core right now, and I think it was a decent bet by Chevy to, I guess, try this experiment out of, of rolling with, you know, essentially four number two or number three defensemen. You have two really good second pairs, and, and maybe even a third second pair with the way Stanley DeMello played last year. But you don't have a, a true number one pair, but maybe just solid across the board is good enough to get the job done with Connor Hellebuck behind them. And Unfortunately, I, I don't think that's the case. I think when you run into the Avalanche or the Golden Knights or, I mean, God help us all, the Lightning and the Panthers, you really need to rely on somebody you can trust to play 25 minutes a night. And 
and tilt the ice in your favor. And, and the Jets just, they, they don't have that guy. And if they did, everybody would really slot in, I think, into a more appropriate role given their, their talent level. So, I mean, that, that's the big home run swing that Kevin Chevalier needs to make. I think that's more of an offseason move if, if it can happen at all. Um, but if you're talking strictly at the trade deadline, I, I think the move to make is another forward and, and probably a, a middle six guy. Uh, somebody that can beef up that third line and, and and give you a bit of a scoring punch. I think that's the big thing that's missing. The Jets haven't really found that Mason Appleton, Joel Armia, Brandon Tanev replacement this year. The guy that can chip in offensively on the third line, but maybe even play higher up in the lineup if necessary. I mean, Jake DeBrusque is a name that that kind of interests me. I don't know how much you'd have to give up to get somebody like that, but at least his cap hit isn't too big. I don't think there's a ton left on his contract. He might even still be an RFA when his deal winds up. But that's a that's an intriguing name where everybody knows he wants out of Boston. Maybe there's a way you can pry him away for without giving up a whole lot. But a middle six forward to me is the most realistic ad the Jets can make at the trade deadline. Uh, Brandon Ricky's with us. Uh, Rue, what's up with uh, skates and plates? Uh, fill people in on uh, the content and uh, what about? Give us an update on the plate side of things. Uh, what have you been up to? Away, uh, we've talked a lot about the Jets. Let's get to the food here. Where where have you been? What uh, what's going to be featured? Yeah, I, uh, well, I mean, on the plate side of things, I ate half a tub of ice cream last night, so that was awesome. <laughs> that went that went really. Did you good. podcast it? Yeah, I, I mentioned it. I know I, I should have done a live stream. It would have been the saddest <laughs> thing you've ever seen in your life. But seven I, one, just with a big tub of Ben and Jerry's. Well, the worst part, was, the worst part was it was I was watching the Flyers game, which was my first mistake, and then P- Pittsburgh scored another one, and I was all right. Let's bring out the mint chocolate chip. But I, I reached the Ken, I call it the Kenny Loggins line in the tub. It's it's the danger zone that one. You either have to make the decision that you put it back in the freezer and there's enough for later, or you just go all the way in and, and you go for broke. And I. I ended up finishing the thing. Um, so that's, yeah, that, that's what's been going on on the plate side of things. Uh, hopefully, would love to have uh, a couple of restaurants on sometime soon. But I mean, I mean, it, it's just a really tough time for that industry. I mean, a lot of a lot of restaurants, you, never mind shut down for good, but are just shut down right now because they don't have the staff to, to pull anything off. So I, I've kind of, you know, pulled back a little bit on that right now because I just don't want to. You know, I don't, I don't want to put that on, well, listen, on people that have so much on their plate. You're always very kind with your time here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. So if you need me to return the favor and maybe get into some major, deep, fast food convos, um, I'm I'm with you uh, and, and I will be there for you. Hey, just before we go, you mentioned the Flyers and I promised that I would not bring them up until the end of the program because Thanks. it probably needs a trigger warning for anyone that likes the orange and black. Um 13, 5, and 6 right now, um, just below the New Jersey Devils, above the Blue Jackets. Um, like, where is this team at right now? They fired Elaine Vigneault. Um, like, what, what's next for Philly? And is this already a lost season? Oh, it's a lost season. That that was, every, I think we all knew that a few, a few weeks, maybe a few months ago. This is, this is honestly the most hopeless I've seen the fan base since I've been alive. And... Keep in mind that was that includes a season where they had 56 points all year, and they ended up losing that draft lottery, by the way, which ended up being Patrick Kane. So I mean, I'm not salty about that, but like that that that's the worst individual season. But fans are way more hopeless and distraught and just disgusted with the way the team has played this year. And, and so, what's up next? Yeah, they're going to suck the rest of the year. I think Claude Giroux's time as a Flyer is going to be over. I'll be fascinated to see where he goes at the trade deadline. I mean, 
Colorado is kind of my hope for him just because they're the team that's probably most likely to get to the Stanley Cup and he deserves to play on a team that, you know, actually can give him the support that he's missed for over a decade. So I, I think it's I think it's blow it up time for them. I, I, I don't imagine that it goes any other way. And I think we'll see a handful of big names leave Philadelphia. And, and it's probably overdue because there's there's no skill. There's no speed. And there's no fight either from them. They just they, they they're just a bunch of quitters right now. It sucks. I want to. I've been trying to get a refund on my NHL center ice, but unfortunately, <laughs> uh, the Philadelphia Flyers being a crap hockey team isn't a good enough excuse to get my money back. So no, no, that is not happening. And just while you mentioned the drafts, I mean, of course, Nolan Patrick's had a real star cross career. He's now gone from Philadelphia, but I mean, that was the Heisher the Heisher Patrick draft. Number three was high skin. Yeah, yeah, I know. Number yeah. four was Kale McCarr. Yeah. Like I, I, I feel like how that guy was. And listen, Heiskanen has been amazing, and he's a, like a legit stud. But I mean, how Kale McCarr went fourth in that draft, and how all anyone was talking about going in was Nico Heischer or Nolan Patrick, just makes you realize what a crapshoot that NHL draft is. Yeah, for, yeah like eighteen-year-olds. Yeah. It's awesome. I love it. I, I love stuff like that. And and on top of it, Elias Pedersen went fifth. So like it's, the Flyers finally win a draft lottery and it ends up biting them in the ass because if they would have picked lower, they would have ended up getting a franchise quarter. So, but man, for, for me, I, I know I got to run here, but, and this is probably my hot take when it comes to hockey. I think Kale McCarr is the second best player in the NHL. Yeah. I, don't think, I think only he is just, he is on another planet right now. And I mean, Adam Fox and Victor Hedman are crazy. They're they're crazy good, but I just I I don't know if there's a more exciting player not named Connor McDavid than Kale McCarr right now. Yeah, I couldn't uh, couldn't disagree with you, uh, dude. Have a great weekend, and uh, I'll look forward to uh, the next episode of Skates and Plates. And uh, we'll have to wait till Thursday for another hockey game uh, involving the Jets. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. We'll talk soon. All right, right on. Have a good weekend. There he is, Brandon Rewicki. Search skates and plates on your local pod on your uh, favorite podcast feed, and make sure you get all that great content from our friend Brandon. All right, we're going to shift over to a little pigskin. Big weekend in the National Football League. In some cases, a lot of nothing games, but some big ones when it comes to the playoffs. Um, and you know what? With uh, I'm just seeing that the. Uh, Provincial health orders have been extended for another three weeks. So uh, I know a lot of people spending more time at home. Uh, but if you do want to have a few cold ones over the weekend, why not have the best? And of course, that is Little Brown Jug. Uh, you can pop by the tap room over on William Avenue and pick up the iconic 1919, the winter variety pack with four different delicious Little Brown Jug uh, flavors, or try that new Brute IPA, which has been uh, brewed specially for the fifth anniversary of Little, Bru- Little Brown Jug, which, of course, was celebrated last year. They've extended their free delivery promotion as well. You can find out that and maybe toss in some merch as well. Some great opera, great merchandise available with their friends at Little Brown Jug. And you can find all that, order it, and get it delivered to you fast and easy online at littlebrownjug.ca. Um, you know, lots happening in the world of curling off the ice right now. I did hear that Rachel Holman was announced that uh, she'll represent Ontario at the Scotties, unless, of course, she is picked to uh, go to the mixed finals, uh, or sorry, the mixed uh, Olympics, um, because we're trying to figure out how the heck we're going to determine a Canadian representative with the uh, trials canceled here in Manitoba last weekend. 
Um, but lots going on on curling. And of course, Princess Auto, a huge curling supporter and supporter of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two local locations, including their national head office right here in Winnipeg. Uh, but you can get those ideas going in the head and Shop 24-7, 365 online at princessauto.com. And with uh, the uh, everything extended for a few more weeks around here, it is a great time to maybe kick back at home. You do want to support your local restaurants. You want to eat great food. Your Boston pizza in your neighborhood is still open for pickup delivery. And, of course, eating inside at 50%. Um, whether it's the gourmet pizzas, the amazing pastas, Boston's wings, it's all there for you. Go to bostonpizza.com and order online or make a little BP trip with the family part of your weekend plans. All right. We will have a marble race at the end of the program. Uh, something very special happening before that as well. So make sure to stick around for that. Uh, but right now, let's get ready for the final week of the regular season with the man himself, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Uh, Lee, how you doing? Hanging in there? I agree with you that uh, we all should celebrate Beer Friday at, uh, at your pizza joint. Yes. Yes, well, that's one thing we can all agree on. And people can't agree on much right now, but that certainly does sound good. Listen, there's lots happening in the in the league, around the league right now. And, of course, Monday will be an interesting day with a number of coach firings. But let's first focus on these games this weekend. Um, and there's no bigger one than what really is the playoffs starting a week early. Old rivals, the Raiders and the Chargers going at it in Vegas the winner will be in the AFC playoffs, assuming that the Colts don't lose and these teams don't tie and both get in. Uh, Lee, tee this one up. And, and maybe if you could for our listeners, I mean, you're the best person to talk about this with your history with the Chargers and these teams. I mean, this is an incredible rivalry as well that goes back decades. What a way to end off the uh, first ever 18-week NFL season with the Raiders and Chargers playing a win-and-get-in game. Yeah, Sunday night football, win and you are in. And obviously this this rivalry is fierce. Uh, these, these franchises have known each other since day one of the old American Football League when the Chargers played at Balboa Stadium in downtown San Diego. And the Raiders played at a high school field, Frank Ewell Field in Oakland. Raiders went on to just glorious decades of football. The Chargers had good seasons, did get to one Super Bowl, did not win that. Both these teams have been in rebuild mode. I wrote a huge column this morning on my website, leehacksawhamilton.com, with a close-up look at the, the history and these two teams as they get ready to play on Sunday night. Uh, I think this is a validation game for Brandon Staley. This would be a high-water mark. Uh, he's a smart guy, the Chargers head coach. He has driven this thing to a 9-7 and record. And if they can finish this with a win on the road, and get to the playoffs, this will be an accomplishment considering where Charger football has been in recent years with Anthony Lynn, before that Mike McCoy, before that uh, Norv Turner. And for the Raiders, it's it's the end of what's really been a very hard emotional year. Uh, this mess with John Gruden has stained the franchise. The mistakes that Gruden made as player personnel director have really set them back with the number one draft picks who have gotten themselves in trouble and guys that have failed. Uh, I give tremendous credit to that quarterback, Derek Carr. He has really become an emotional leader. He's become really a man. I mean, he he brought this team out of the despair over the, the destruction that John Gruden wrought upon his own career. And then weeks later, he had to bring this team back after they lost their biggest play 
wide receiver Henry Ruggs, and then all the other issues with the tight end getting hurt. It's just really, really been hard. Going to be a good game. I don't think either defense can stop the other guy's offense. Uh, I think Herbert's going to come out and just play on the edge and play really aggressive. And I don't think the Raiders have a secondary uh, to be able to hold up to all the things the Chargers have. And Derek Carr, I think, is going to attack a very young uh, Chargers secondary. I think they're going to go up and down the field on each other. And the intangible in this whole thing, and nobody ever talks about these guys, kickers. You know, Daniel Carlson of the Raiders is 35 or 38 on field goals. Spectacular season. And the Chargers have had special teams nightmares for years. Found a guy on a street corner. Redskins, for some reason, Washington football team, I should say, for some reason, uh, got rid of uh, Dustin Hopkins. And he's come to L.A. and he's kicked 17 of 18 field goals since the Chargers signed him. Uh, I I think this is going to be 42-37. Maybe last guy touches the ball wins. Or maybe one of these guys kicks a fourth field goal in a game and they wind up winning. And it'll put both these teams with a chance to go to the playoffs. The problem is the Chargers really frittered away an opportunity to get home field advantage by screwing up against some really bad teams. So whoever wins this one is probably going to wind up having to go to Kansas City to play a wild card game in January against Patrick Mahomes and his men. Won't be easy. But for Sunday night, it'll be fun. No, it'll be great. I mean, as a Chiefs fan, the Chargers definitely scare me way more than the Raiders do with the potential of them coming in. They've already beat the Chiefs at one point this year. I believe it was in Arrowhead earlier this season. They seem to be a more dangerous team. But as you mentioned, I mean, it's incredible that they're even in this situation to begin with. I mean, the loss to the Houston Texans a couple weeks ago completely changed the game. Now, they did get some good fortune, so they do have their destiny in their own hands. Um, but it didn't have to be this way. But I'll I'll say this, Lee, on the Raiders side of things, and I know we're Rich Bisaccia that uh, you know that's kind of taken over in the uh, aftermath of um, of John Gruden. Um, as you kind of laid out, they've dealt with so much off the field this year. Um, I, I listen. I can't stand the Raiders, but I got to give them credit. I mean, they have really come up. That win last week in Indianapolis, uh, I don't think a lot of people saw coming, and. You know, both of these teams traditionally, whether you know you're at SoFi or whether you're at Allegiant Stadium, um, they have a ton of visiting fans come in. I have a feeling that what the Raiders have done these last couple games and the fact that the Chargers don't have this massive fan base, this could be the first real legitimate home field advantage for the Raiders in the new black hole in the game. And uh, I think the atmosphere will be great. And I think they really have earned that support from the club because I've been very impressed with how the fact that they're even in this situation that they are with everything that's been thrown at them over the course of this season. Well, when you look back, you say, you know, how could this happen? Uh, how, you know, how could the Raiders be nine and seven and having lost? Think about this, Hustler. They lost to Chicago. They lost to Washington. They lost to the New York football giants. The Raiders did. And, of course, the Chargers lost an ugly game to Houston. They lost to Denver. The flip side of that is the fact that the Raiders have won in Cleveland, and the Raiders did win in Indianapolis, and the Chargers early in the season did win at Arrowhead. So uh, I don't know which team is the real deal. They've both given us spurts where you say, wow, it's pretty exciting. And then you watch them on some Sunday and you say, how the hell could that happen? You did not lose to those guys, did you? So. It'll be a fun game. Set it all aside. Brandon Staley has got this thing going. I think the Chargers are going to win because I just think they have too many bullets in the gun. And 
I think Derek Carr's done just a masterful job of rallying the troops and putting them all around and finding a way to get done. I just don't think Derek Carr's got enough bullets in his gun to be able to play four quarters of football against these guys. Yeah, and as you noted on your uh, on your site as well, that the um, Raiders announced the family of the late John Madden will uh, ignite the Al Davis torch before the game. So it should be an emotional night and a heck of a way to finish off the regular season. Lee, you've been around this game for a long, long time. You've seen it all, but have you ever seen anything like the latest chapter in the Antonio Brown saga? <laughs> what is I just, going on? I just thought this was going to end badly. Uh, and I mean, Tom Brady really went to bat for this guy. Tom Brady is the one that talked Bruce Arians into bringing him on board. And AB has had spurts where he's played okay and has had some good games. Two weeks ago, caught 10 passes for 100-plus yards but he just has a track record of self-destruction and he's self-destructed here. And, you know, as we go day by day, 24 hours by 24 hour news cycle, there's so much more junk that is spilling out about this guy. Um, the fact that he refused to go see doctors about his ankle injury. And then, you know, on Monday was screaming, they gave me a painkilling injection and made me play, but he refused to go me with the doctors and the fact that his agent the week before this incident happened went to the uh, Buccaneers and demanded the $2 million in bonus clause money, the incentives, be guaranteed for the final couple of weeks of the season. The Buccaneers said no. And then this whole thing, he said, he said, uh, whatever happened on the sidelines between Brown and and Bruce Arians, and even his teammates could not control him uh, before he took his helmet off and took his shoulder pads, jersey off and threw a whole bunch of stuff into the stands. Uh, I... I hate to say it, but to me, there's a mental health issue here. And the league needs to put him on the commissioner's exemplist. The league needs to mandate that he get some help. I mean, they've done it in the past. With, despite the success of, if you recall, defensive end Alden Smith, they took him out of the league because he kept having issues. And despite the talent of Josh Gordon, who's now in Kansas City, they took him out of the league because he kept making bad decisions about either alcohol or marijuana and got himself suspended five or six times. Now he's also gotten himself reinstated. I, I think AB just, he needs a mental health evaluation because nobody that I know acts the way he has acted with a consistent basis. And, you know, he's had, I think he's had eight different lawsuits. He's had all these issues with the law. There's always something going on with his persona and how he acts and reacts. There's something not right here. And I don't know if counseling solves it, but he's run out of places to play, Andrew. You know, he's been cut by four teams in the last uh, two years. And prior to that, Pittsburgh traded him away. And this was a really, really productive guy. So it's just day by day. It's just more and more junk. And it just it kind of wears you out. And now Tampa's got a problem. And you say, how, Lee, how could that be? Yeah. Tampa down four running backs. They have lost Chris Godwin for the year with a knee injury. And now there is no Antonio Brown. So Tom Brady is facing the playoffs, despite this very good season I've had at 12 and four, Andrew, he's facing the playoffs with very few weapons around him. How are they going to hold up in playoff time? Because when you're in the playoffs, you're playing much better brands of defense. You're not playing Jacksonville and Detroit. Lee, Monday night at Heinz Field is a pretty cool scene. Um, really a nothing game for both of those teams, but it was all about Ben Roethlisberger. Big Ben got his final win in uh, what we all expect to be his final game. Um, but I don't want to ask you about the Steelers. I want to ask you about the team on the other side of the sidelines last night, the Cleveland Browns. Been an unbelievably disappointing season for Cleveland. They've got a very, very solid roster. 
and anyone that watched the Browns knew that Baker Mayfield was playing injured for a good portion of the season. He's not playing at the end. I see the Cleveland Plain Dealer reporting that Baker Mayfield may be asking for a trade. How does this all end, and what's next for Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns at the quarterback position? A uh, quick comment on, on Ben Roethlisberger. Um, I'm married to a girl from West Virginia who's an unbelievable Steeler fan. And the stuff that comes out of her mouth when Roethlisberger throws interceptions in the Steelers, <laughs> unbelievable. That being said, you know his record at Heinz Field is 91-32. and 32. What a spectacular career. You know, and he came from Miami of Ohio and small college, mid-American cons football, and he was kind of a punk early on in his career and got himself suspended by the league for the way he acted and did some things. And then he became a citizen. Then he became a leader. Then he became a great player. And now he's made himself a Hall of Famer. Pittsburgh's gone through some really tough times. Interesting statistic in Roethlisberger's run with Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. They've gone re through rebuilding twice. And now they're facing a third rebuild once Roethlisberger retires. In terms of Cleveland, uh, just injuries and COVID have just wrecked the team. And, you know, last year, you and I probably talked a couple of times on your show in Winnipeg about uh, Cleveland's putting it all together. Maybe this is the year. And then they continue to draft really well, quality players on defense and the offensive line. And they got Baker Mayfield. They just can't stay healthy. But so much bad luck. I know there's there's grave doubts as to whether Mayfield can really be a game changer at quarterback or is he just a small, undersized guy who's going to throw some touchdowns and then throw interceptions and probably wind up getting hurt? They got some tough salary cap decisions ahead of them in Cleveland. Uh, Baker Mayfield's cap number is $18.8 million. Jarvis Landry, who's a really quality wide receiver, he's got a cap figure of 16.5. I don't think they can bring both those guys back at those cap figures. So there's going to have to be a meeting of the mind. Does Mayfield take a pay cut? Does Landry take a pay cut? Do they let Landry go because he's got 100,000 miles on his wheels? Um, and is, is Baker Mayfield really the right guy? But my whole theory is, you know, unless you got a high draft pick or you got a quarterback in waiting, you better not get rid of the guy that you've got. But there's there's a whole bunch of things that have to be solved with Baker Mayfield. He's going to have the labrum surgery, I think, in two weeks. I think it's January 19th. Mm. And he'll come back from that. But is he the right guy? Is he a complete football player? Is he is he the leader who can win games rather than just manage games? So Cleveland. Cleveland gets to Monday morning as just just a massive disappointment, but it's kind of been out of their control with COVID and all the injuries. Well, speaking of Monday morning, saw one more for you on the way out. How many coaches get whacked on Monday after the regular season? Well, there's a real laundry list of guys out there. Uh, I mean, we got two openings already, and Jacksonville is interviewing people. I think between now and Saturday, Jaguars will have interviewed three more candidates. They have nine on their list. I would have thought Josh McDaniels of New England would have been the right guy, but they have not yet gotten permission to interview him. And, of course, New England's going to be a wild-card team probably in the playoffs, and so I don't know where the window is to get McDaniels interviewed. They are interviewing Bill O'Brien. Uh, as, as a head coach, he was pretty good. As a general manager, he was terrible in Houston. So Nick Saban's staff in Alabama, they might move on Bill O'Brien because he does have a history of developing young quarterbacks. And as I said, as a coach at Penn State and a coach – in Houston, he did a pretty good job. Uh, so Jacksonville's open. Uh, the Raiders, this rumor won't go away. Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan. Uh, he, he privately, I think, is steamed about the pay cut and the way he was portrayed in Ann Arbor after a crummy season two years ago. And then, of course, they had the marvelous season uh, this year, including the stomping of Ohio State for the first time ever under Harbaugh. But then they, get, they got reamed in their bowl game. This Harbaugh to, to the Raiders 
kind of an intriguing, intriguing story. Uh, who goes after that? Uh, Vic Fangio uh, in, in Denver is uh, not had a good run there. Uh, I think he's nine and 19 as a head coach. They got quarterback issues, they front office issues. That's an issue. I don't know. Chicago's won two in a row. Matt Nagy's had injury after injury of quarterback. They've changed quarterback seven times this season in a 16, 17 game season. Uh, so he's, he's really been beset by that situation. I don't know if Nagy survives. It's weird in Carolina, uh, David Tepper, the owner, gave Matt Rule a seven-year contract, $9 million a year. Two years into it, he's done a poor job. He might be in jeopardy, which would be kind of weird for a club to eat a five-year contract. The Rule could get fired. Uh, I don't know what to make of, of uh, Mike Zimmer. I mean, that's a vested veteran coach. I think his record in Minnesota with the Vikes is 71-54, but they've regressed the last couple of years. And I think they kind of underachieved this season. When you look at the payroll and the money they're paying their top stars, you know, to be a sub 500 team is not good. And in Houston, I think it'd be very unfair to fire David Culley, but that thing has been chaotic ever since Bill O'Brien got fired. And Nick Cesario, the new general manager, didn't do a good job constructing the roster and Culley didn't have Deshaun Watson. He's been on the sidelines all year, even though it's being paid. I don't know if they fire Culley that that's a fair assessment of him, but, yeah, I think I think maybe as many as five on Monday on top of the Raiders uh, and and the Jacksonville situation. Lee, thanks so much for doing this. Have a great weekend. You be well, stay safe, and I look forward to catching up in the playoffs with you. Yeah, I always love to talk to you people in Canada and ha- have your viewers, your listeners check my website. I write on it every day. Uh, I could guarantee you, as I read it and write it, you read it, and all your listeners, viewers read it. They'll be the third smartest people in the province of Manitoba, aside from you and me. <laughs> You're the best, Lee. And I got to say, I mean, especially with a tweet like this, when we're kind of trying to make picks and make a few bets, wondering who the hell's playing, one trip over to Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. It's all there for you. It helped out big time. Have a good one, pal. Thanks again. Hi, right, brother. Good to talk to you. Be well. Catch you again. Thank right you. Right on. There he is, the legend himself, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. You can follow him on Twitter at Hacksaw1090. And no joke, uh, LeeHacksonHamilton.com. Hit there once a day and they'll uh, get you everything that you need um, for your sports fix. In addition, of course, to listening or viewing Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. All right. I saw DQ Nick in the uh, chat a little earlier. Not sure if he's still uh, around. Getting ready for the big marble race coming up in just a couple minutes. Of course, the Nick and Nicky DQ group. Great sponsors of ours since day one. And they've got four locations to uh, help you out. Of course, the DQ in Niverville, as well as DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. St. Anne's now open year-round. Never was the case before now that Nicky and Nicky are running it. Um, they're there for you 12 months a year. And they're also available on Skip the Dishes for folks and Uber Eats for folks out in the uh, in the St. Vital area. I know it's cold right now, um, but I'll tell you what, I had a dilly bar last night. It was phenomenal. Still down with the blizzard 12 months a year, um, but also a big fan of uh, the burgers. I still maintain that the DQ burgers are the most underrated in the fast food game. Great chicken products, French fries, and so much more. So pop down, support our sponsors, the Nick and Nick DQ group at any of their four locations. And if you need a cake for an upcoming event, pop down to the end of the locations or even easier hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll get that set up for you and they'll be ready to pick up where at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQ locations. Uh, all right, big Canadian club marble race coming up in just a couple of minutes. Of course, CC our wonderful sponsor and the official sponsor of the Winnipeg blue bombers. And right now their sister company, Jim beam, 
still has some limited edition Blue Bomber Grey Cup Championship glasses available at local Manitoba Liquor Marts with the purchase of a bottle of Jim Beam. Meanwhile, on the Canadian club side of things, great promotions involving bonus air miles at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. So pop by Jim Beam for you Bomber fans, Canadian club for Bomber fans as well. And uh, you can also enter to win 5,000 air miles at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. Canadian club, we've got some great prizes coming up. We still have a couple of hoodies left, which we'll give away to our first prize winner. If we don't have your size, we've got a couple of other things, including some Winnipeg Sports Talk t-shirts that we did with our friends over at Nick and Nikki DQ. All right, I, I am going to get to the cool bet lines before we get to the marble race, but let's get Remus back in here. There you can see that great display of the uh, bomber glasses for the uh, the Grey Cup. We turn those around very quickly. Uh, and there are still limited amounts uh, left. But uh, while well, Remo, been quite the uh, whirlwind, uh, Weber, Rewicki, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, heck of a way to finish up a week here on Winnipeg Sports Talk heading into the weekend. Um, but before we get to the cool bet lines, it's about time to uh, fire things up because we got a big marble race to finish up the program. And I think it might be time to uh, open it up so Free Oleg and the rest of the people in the chat can put exclamation mark marbles and count themselves in. Okay, I opened it up. It's ready. Now we do have an intro, Hus, uh, for the marble race, a new one. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll do that when we get to it. Let's uh, let's okay. let people let let people enter right now. Uh, we'll give you a few minutes, but if you're with us right now, very simple. You see what everyone's doing it in in the chat? Exclamation mark marbles. We'll give you a couple minutes while we do mm -hmm. the cool bet lines. And uh, let's get to that. Um, and before we do that, Hassa, we do have to give a shout out to uh, everyone's favorite chatter. Uh, here it is. Brian Friesen with the super chat. Friesen, yes! Yeah, he says that's that. winning the cup, all you Debbie Downers. Hus, do you want your 40 and quarters or your mom's trust fund for you? <laughs> uh, well, hey, Ryan, there's no guarantees. I would have felt way better about my side of our wager if the Chiefs had won last week. But um, tell you what, I mean, they're going to have to win two games to get there, presuming that they're finishing in second. And I will be nervous if the Chargers win this game and it's the Chargers going to Arrowhead, that's not going to be an easy one. So hold on to the 40 in quarters or however you had planned to pay. I will do the same thing and we'll see what happens over the course of the next week. Just an update, long-standing bet between Ryan and myself. He says the Chiefs will not get to the AFC Championship game. I say they do. We've got 40 bucks on the line. It's been, it's been very up and down all season long, but that's still very much alive. So, folks, exclamation mark marbles. Give you a couple minutes to do that. Um, you know, we won't go through all of the lines for the National Football League on the weekend, although I will tell you the key games that we've been talking about, Chargers, Raiders, Chargers are minus three or three-point favorites on the road taken on the Raiders. Uh, the other really interesting game, Rams and 49ers. Rams are minus four and a half point favorites. I actually like the Niners in this. Maybe not necessarily to win the game, but to keep it close. They've won five straight. Kyle Shanahan has over Sean McVay. They pumped them earlier this year, 31-10. Uh, the Rams, for all their wins, have not had the answer for the Niners. And the Niners need to win this game to guarantee themselves a spot in the playoffs. If San Francisco loses and the Saints beat the Falcons, San Fran is out and New Orleans is in. Um, so lots to play with. That'll be an exciting game in the late slate of afternoon games on Sunday. Uh, of course, all the games there right now. We've also got new Australian Open odds up without Novak Djokovic. 
And Alabama right now for that big Monday night national championship game is now only two-point favorites going up against the Alabama Crimson Tide. I actually like Georgia, I think, and I know Jeff Kabilis will be fired up. He's a big Georgia guy. Um, you know, they get another crack at the big dogs, and uh, I think they're going to get it done. Uh, but anyways, it should be a great game. Uh, it's all up there right now at CoolBet, and if you haven't played at CoolBet before, use the promo code WST on your first deposit, and we'll give you a 100% bonus up to $200 over at CoolBet. And if you do want more on the NFL week, make sure to check out the lock shop. Dustin Nielsen and I just did a new episode before we started Winnipeg Sports Talk today. Available on your podcast feed. Search lock shop, subscribe to it, or head on over to Twitter, my Twitter, or Dustin Nielsen's Twitter, and the entire video version of the show is there as well. All right, Reem, uh, I'm going to give another 30 seconds or so, and then uh, let people... Uh, and then we'll start loading people up before our big debut of a very special gift to us and our listeners to commemorate the weekly marble race. Yeah, 100, uh, 125 in. I feel like, uh, uh, yeah, I feel like we should maybe just play it and then end end the thing. So end the uh, contest entries. That might work. Okay, work you well. know what? That's, just because, that's excellent. Just because the command is mentioned in the song. Oh, okay, perfect. See, I haven't seen this yet, but mm. uh, this is the debut of the the marble, the WST Marble Race theme by the genius, the musical genius, Tristan Rivers Music. Um, you've known the work that he's done for Kenny and Rennie. You saw the impromptu gift we had for the Trivia Time song, and uh, he, and I think Ken is helping him out with some of the visuals as well, mm. has put together something very special. So let's officially... Cut off the uh, cut off the marbles. Everyone's in exclamation mark marbles. If you're not in already, you waited yeah. too long. I, and and I was going to say too, if you're not yet, uh, sorry to interrupt. You got to got to subscribe uh, to the channel. Hit the thumbs up. Thank you. Do Thank all you. things. We need we need to get to. Uh, we're on our way to seven k. We're closing in on sixty two hundred. Uh, helps the channel grow. Shows more people on YouTube our videos when you hit the thumbs up. And the uh, subscribe button. So uh, thank you, everyone, for all your support. This is this is awesome to see so many people in chat. I know we have a lot of hit subscribe, a lot of entries right now. 129 up. people in. We've got 152 likes, 290 viewers or so. But uh, we need more thumbs ups and more uh, more subs. I'm so excited for this. This is the uh, as uh, Remus you know closes it off and loads up the marble race. Let's. This is the official world premiere debut on Winnipeg Sports Talk of the uh, the Friday Marble Race theme. I can't wait. oh my god tristan you are the best thanks tristan candace for doing that up and by yeah. the way the line about suffering oleg's fate That's... with remus in the ring about to throw somebody over the top rope was 
absolutely masterful. If you're listening on the podcast, make a point of going over to YouTube, hit that red subscribe button while you're there. But um, that really needs to be seen to be believed. Tristan, you guys are the best. Thank you very much for doing that. That was everyone uh, is loving it in the chat. That was uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, yes, I I loved uh, the Oleg's fate line, and I guess we have to tell people this was like a one-time thing. I think in the summer where some guy named Oleg just spammed exclamation marbles over and over, and I said no one does that in my chat room, and got the quickest boot ever. So I think everyone got a laugh out of that so yeah just hit it once you don't need to hit it like five times in a row not of course inspired one of our favorites free oleg who almost i i did crack up but i tried to keep it together during that interview and i said you better watch it there could be a free free oleg yeah. in the chat well, as well um that being said i think everyone's good how are we looking let's let's get it going redemption I'm, for oleg <laughs> redemption yeah i'm getting them loaded in right now uh, I was going to say, yeah, well, what he was doing was he started writing, you know, people get an itchy trigger finger. They come in, they want to get on the marble race, and they start writing exclamation marbles when we haven't uh, shouted out the command. Um, so I was like, hey, Oleg, free Oleg, come on. Uh, G Liverpool says he's speechless right now. <laughs> BA says that's so good. Big fans of... Uh, G Liverpool is never speechless. That's, uh, this is a special moment right now, Greg. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of, yeah, someone has said about the, uh, you need the NWO shirt. Maybe what we need to do is get a WST shirt in the NWO font. Yeah, we could do that. I think we can get that. I know, I know people who could make that happen. That, that, that could, that could work. Well, we're, we're cooking up some other interesting things going on, but right now let's cook up some marbles to finish off the week here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Great show today. Um, Kenny, Axaw, Brandon Rewicki. How about Rewicki's hair? Man, he people... is coming in strong to 2022 today. Him and um, uh, yeah, him and Mo Khan always are like back to back to back. There, you know what? If uh, for the power pole of hair of our guests, I mean, it's basically Brandon and Mo, and then the biggest gap ever. Mm. And then, oh, oh, I gotta tell you, Hacksaw's in the top five. What about uh, Rennie before he got his hair cut? And um. <laughs> Tom Gazzola yesterday. He's getting LASIK now, too. I don't know if you Tommy Tommy that. was looking good, but I got to tell you, for Lee, for the amount of time that he's been around, I mean, we would all kill to have that salad at that age. Um, he's looking amazing and uh, still looking good. Tons of great comments. Tons of great comments into the... Uh, <laughs> tons of great comments in the chat uh, about it all. Oh, Feinberg, good point, Joey. Yeah, Feinberg definitely has a pretty legendary lid as well. Um, all right, Remo, what, uh, what course are we doing today? I think I picked, um, multi-lane madness. Ooh. Um, sounds like it could be interesting. Sounds excellent. <laughs> oh, I should, sorry, go ahead. Getting DMs about <laughs> being blown away by that song and video. Well, hey, everyone is, everyone is, especially me. I hadn't seen it before. I just knew it was coming and, uh, oh my God, it was so good. So Marble Race coming up. Uh, we've got just a prize for first place today. I will try and get a, a restock of uh, some Canadian club to maybe add a second place prize coming up next week. And we're down to just a couple of sizes for the hoodies. We do have some t-shirts. So whoever wins, you will let me know what your size is. Uh, if you are large, we definitely have large Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodies with the Canadian club. If we don't have your size, we hopefully will have t-shirts in your size, and I might have 
uh, one of these cool bet hoodies in the tickle trunk as well. But uh, first prize we're awarding today and uh, we'll do our best to uh, hopefully we've got a size for you that fits of the uh, prize that we'd like to give away, which is the Canadian Club Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie. And if not, we'll figure something else out. Uh, all right. Little Marble Madness time here for a Friday afternoon. Remo, let's do it. Let's do it. Here we go. And Yeah, my, my brother has one of those cool bet hoodies. I think this is go to right now. He loves it. I got to tell you, it's super warm. Um, it's one of my favorites as well. I usually wear it on Friday because I'll pull it out for the lock shop before the program and then keep it on. Uh, but it definitely is. All right. This is an awesome one. The first ever 2022 marble race. We had an incredible 2021, but uh, maybe we'll do yearly standings, if you will. Everyone, much like the race, everyone is even. We have no winners, no losers so far for 2021. So who will take the lead on the standings board? We will find out right now. Kamish, take it away. Hit and start. We're off. We are off. And here, I'll take myself off the screen. But this is called multi-lane madness, as you can see, coming down the path. Oh, there's a jump here. Uh oh, I hopefully that's not a teleport. Is that? Oh, here we go. Shit. Whoa, Matt Bergen, running man. Good old Tom. Oh my God, they're getting flinged all the way down the track, but oh, they're all fell off. Everyone's getting out. It's this is oh, tons of eliminations today. Let's see what we've got. Mitch uh, is up there. Derek Schmidt. A lot of guys getting the uh, ejector seat yeah. so far. Derek Schmidt, though, looking good right now. Uh, he's in the mix. Earl James. This is incredibly tight as we get down. I see Joey Panks is in the mix. Um. Who else is in there? We've got Pretty and Pionk, Earl James, Adam Junkins looking pretty good. It's absolutely neck and neck right now. Looks like Joey Panks. Yeah, he's in first. Joey Panks, could it be? Could it be? Very loyal listener. Panks has never won a marble race before. He is looking good. Oh, Matt Fry just got eliminated. Sammy 204. We're all right. It is sort of funny seeing everyone get so many over the top rope. That, uh, um, yeah, that jump at the start, I thought we were going to have a quick finish, but they all fell uh, into the drink there. I see our guy Dallas Paul's in the mix, uh, but Joey Panks is back in it. He seems to have the pole position, and will it be? It is! Joey Panky, his first ever win to start off 2022. Shout out to Panks. All the marbles coming down the uh, the stretch at the end. Shout out to everyone that made it to the end. There was plenty of you that, like Oleg earlier this year, got eliminated and thrown over the top rope. Uh, the, uh, the, the final standings today, Joey Panks, number one, Dallas Pauls. What up, Dallas? Second place, so close. B. Henderson, Anspe was fourth, Adam Junkin, fifth, Svetch a win in six, Frosty Winnipeg, seven. Todd M8, Val George 9, and Tristan Rivers Music number 10. We'll have to get something for Tristan. Although Tristan did win. Or no, maybe it was Candace that won early yeah. on in it. But that was when I got a chance to meet Tristan uh, when uh, the two came over to grab it. And Fritchie, 01, finishing it up. Oh, no. There's a still couple a still going. Oh, wow. Miller Time and Jeff Johnson and Leighton Janice are taking their sweet ass time to get down to the end miller time and jeff johnson doing the cruise this is sort of you know like at the end of the marathon where you just kind of really enjoy the final the final lap or so 
coming down the stretch. It's Miller time. Another former winner, actually, of the uh, of it. Miller time finishes last. Joey Pankew finishes first. Panks, you know where I'm at. Hit me up with the DM and we'll figure something out. Let me know when you're in the city and we will get you hooked up. Um, man, Remo, great week to start off 2022. Uh, I'm glad we did the show on Monday. We could have taken off like many other shows. We didn't. The people wanted to be it. We've had great numbers so far. We actually had some games to talk about this week. And um, the interesting week next week, we've got to wait until Thursday for the Winnipeg Jets to play. But the team will be back. There'll be lots to get to. And I'm sure there'll be lots of news breaking from the National Hockey League as to how they're going to fit in these games, any more potential postponements. And, uh, well, hopefully at some point, it won't happen in the next three weeks, that's for sure. Um, see the Winnipeg Jets back in Canada Life Center and uh, some of us with tickets can actually get back into it. Um, great, great show, though. Uh, and a great week overall, Reem. Yeah, great week. We did have so much news just constantly yesterday. That was really fun. And we had the Bombers signing Jefferson and Jeffcoat. I wonder if we'll have more as we go on uh, with the Bombers. Kyle Walters trying to bring everyone back for round three. And I, I would say they're off to a pretty good start. Right now with uh, with Hardrick, Jefferson, Jeffcoat. I mean, Jake Thomas earlier. He was on, was that yesterday already? Feels like a long time ago, but that was yesterday. (laughs) That was a great conversation with him. The longest tenured, uh, longest tenured bomber. So I thought, oh yeah, great week of shows. And uh, we're done with the holidays and uh, moving forward. But we will have weekend free of Jets hockey. Although I saw there was a lot of games on tomorrow. And, And yeah, we'll just count down until Thursday's return. Well, and you know what? I mean, we've had Willie on a number of times, but Willie, you know, is one of our favorites and one of your favorites. I know we'll hopefully get him on at some point uh, early next week, as well as Jackson Jeffcoat, mm-hmm. Demarcus Hardrick. And now uh, who knows? By the time we get to Monday, Walters might have another list of guys. He, well, I, I tweeted this out. He really is the closer. He got DC in the Grey Cup, got on a plane, went down there and got it done. I do wonder if he's walking into the room with uh, with the Grey Cup and with the contract for Jackson Jeffcoat, is there someone playing Enter Sandman in the background, Remus? Because it was a Mariano Rivera-like closing session for Kyle Walters over the last 24 hours. Oh, it's been incredible. One thing I, I did enjoy was the Grey Cup tour of Texas, uh, taking it to the university there with Jeffcoat and posing with Coach Sark. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool uh, to see the Grey Cup on that type of, uh, that type of stage. So... Uh, it's two around Texas. I don't know if it's like, if it's like in the NHL, you get a day with it. But um, hey, whatever they they got, they brought it down there. Got those Willie guys to Jackson, resign. Jeff Coat, whatever the hell they want, they mm-hmm. got the money and they got the Grey Cup down there. And uh, I tell you what, I'm sure Kyle and uh, DC aren't too uh, disappointed that they had to head down to Texas for a few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the middle of an extreme cold warning. Uh, bottom line, folks, uh, things are continuing as is for the next three weeks, as we've learned today from the government. So uh, govern yourselves accordingly. Be safe. Take it easy. Stay warm. And uh, we'll look forward to reconnecting with you Monday afternoon, live on YouTube at 1 o'clock p.m. and in your podcast feed for your drive home in and around 3.30 p.m. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Hustler-Patterson. A big thanks to Brandon Rewicki, Ken Weeb, and Lee Hacksaw-Hamilton for joining us. And all our great sponsors, of course, Nick and the Nick and Nicky DQ Group. Great to see you in the chat today, Nick. Canadian Club, Cool Bet Canada, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Culligan Water, Vita Health, and Andrew and the gang down at F Apparel. Folks, have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday right here on WST. 
Oh my god! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.